Madam Speaker. There will now be an opportunity for silent prayer or medication. Please be seated. Mm -hmm. Order. Order, order, honorable members. Actually, it is true. At our age, we live on med meditation. Morning, lunch, dinner, we have to take meditation. Some medicine. Thank you very much. Honorable members, order, you may be seated. Take your seat, honorable members, and we proceed. Honorable members, let me start by, on the 30th of August, during questions to the president, points of order were raised in respect of three incidents. At the time I indicated I would start the record and revert to the house to, to rule. Before ruling, I should remind members that we enjoy special constitutional privileges, including freedom of speech. This is an essential right in that it enables us to raise and pursue matters in the public interest. This privilege is only limited by the rules of parliament. The rules in turn were not intended to constrain members, but rather to ensure that reasonable debate can occur. Indeed, democracy would not be served if members could deviate from this objective and resort to insult or personal imputations. Rule 84, honorable members, specifically prohibits members from using offensive, abusive, insulting, disrespectful, unbecoming, or unparliamentary words or language, no offensive. No member may impute improper motives to any other member or cast personal reflections upon a member's integrity or dignity or verbally abuse a member in any other way except by way of a separate substantive motion. This rule also applies to reflections upon the president. I can now turn to the incidents of the 30th of August. In the first instance, Honorable Mkalipi rose on a point of order to contend that Honorable Zomo had harassed her by stating that, and I quote, 
What are her children saying when she speaks in this house? Close quote. Ms. Mkalipi insisted that such remarks constituted harassment and had to be withdrawn. I asked Honorable Romo whether he had in fact made the remarks, which he denied. It was on this basis I undertook to study the record. Having had an opportunity to study the record, however, I must report to that the available records do not capture the alleged comment, and as such, I am unable to rule on their permissibility. I can nevertheless restate that insults and personal remarks, and especially references to family, have no home in our discourse. They are simply unacceptable and unparliamentary. During the course of the proceedings, Honorable Khadebe rose on a point of order to allege that Honorable Malema had cast aspersions on the president without bringing a substantive motion. At the time, Mr. Khadebe's point of order could not be dealt with as there were interjections from other members. In this instance, the record shows that Mr. Malema said, and I quote, therefore the president went to kidnap people, he engaged in money laundering, he intimidated women and kidnapped women in his farm, and we are told he must not answer close quote. In a third incident, the Honorable Papo rose to complain that both Honorable Malema and Honorable Ndlozi had insulted him. I again said I would deal with this matter at a later stage. In this regard, the record indicates that Honorable Malema said, with reference to Honorable Papo, and I quote, protect me from that charlatan. That's why you got 24 votes, Domkop, close quote. Order. Later, Honorable Ndlozi referred to Mr. Papo, Honorable Papo, as a hopeless idiot. Presiding officers have previously ruled that reference to other members as charlatans, dumb cops or idiots is demeaning. It is demeaning. It is very demeaning, actually. Moreover, as I have quoted, the rules prohibit members from making allegations of impugning the character of other members, including the president, without a substantive motion. I'm aware that members may wish to bring certain matters to the attention of the House, but they must do so within the framework of the rules and due process. Honorable Malema, I must consequently ask that you withdraw all the references to the president and Honorable Papo as I have highlighted. Honorable Malema, Honorable Malema is on the platform, I'm informed. I don't know what you said, I must withdraw. I just joined now. You are now withdrawing two remarks. One, reference to the president being a kidnapper and a charlatan. Mr. Honorable Papo being a charlatan, a dumb cop, and I'm saying, will you please withdraw those? 
so that we may proceed. I will draw. Thank you very much, Honorable Malema. Because I want to I attend must, to it. I must also ask order. I must also ask Honorable Ndozbu to withdraw his remark. Honorable Ndozi. I withdraw hopeless idiot. I'm There is no hopeless idiot here. You you withdraw unconditionally. Withdraw. I withdraw unconditionally hopeless idiot. Those words I withdraw. Honorable session uh-uh. Withdraw, Honorable Ndozi. Oh, you're out of order. You're Honorable Malema, you have out. withdrawn. Honorable Malema, yeah. you have withdrawn your remark. Keep, keep quiet. It's not your turn. No, it is you Honorable Ndozi. No, you can't start. Honorable Ndozi. Withdraw. Yeah. I withdraw, hopeless idiot. I guess that's what you asked me to withdraw, Speaker. That's how Honorable. it's done, by the way. That is how it's done. Honorable I withdraw. Thank you. You withdraw. Thank you. That's what I wanted you to do. Lastly, honorable members, having studied the record, I noted a number of other remarks by various members, which while unchallenged during the proceedings, remain of concern. I would urge all members to address each other in respectful terms, and in a manner that befits our offices as public representatives. We have an obligation to treat each other with respect and dignity. Those are the values on which our democracy was founded and which we must inculcate, mindful that our conduct transcends the house and that our people look to us for leadership. I thank you, honorable members, for listening we may now proceed with the business of today. Honorable uh, members, the only item on today's order paper is questions addressed to the president. Yes? Is that a point of order? Yes? The Honorable Hadebe called the Honorable Kalipi Hudfo. You did? You did? Ask okay, it. take your seat. Did you do that? If you did, will you please withdraw? Honorable Speaker, Honorable Khalifa has just called me a German cat. Will you please withdraw, Old Cop? All right, all right. I withdraw, Old Cop. I'll also rise on. Rise on. I withdraw. Old cop. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. There are four. Honorable Paulson. But on a point of order, Speaker. Yes, Honorable Malema. Point of order. We shouldn't be treated the way you are treating us. Um, an honorable member now has the just been asked. Of Julius, Is that a point uh, of order, that? Honorable Malema? Interrupting me here is saying it's not scared of me. You know, these homeless people, what he's saying, the issue here is 
Honorable Malema, I did not give you the floor. I'm sorry. Um, I no, thought, I, you, were, I thought I, you were raising I, a point of order. Point of order. Yes, on a point of, of order. You just asked an honorable member to withdraw what he said. And mm -hmm. he, 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 he withdrew that which you said he must withdraw. And in the process of withdrawing, he mentioned what he's withdrawing. But when he draws, he says he's withdrawing, hopeless, idiot. It's a problem. We Honourable. must be treated the same. Yeah, you're out of order. Thank you very much, Honorable Malema. Honorable Zakude. Thank you very much, Honorable Speaker. As Honorable Hatebe uh, was withdrawing, he wanted to bring to your attention that he was labeled as German Cut. So he is Honorable Hatebe, not German Cut. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank you very much, Honorable Zagude. Honorable Paulson, Honorable Khatebe is Honorable Khatebe. Shall we now proceed? No, I'm not going to. That's how you start a session. I am not going to allow any points of order. I am now proceeding with the business. I am not. I'm not allowing you. There are four supplementary Speaker. questions. Speaker. Honorable members, Speaker. order. Order. Speaker, order. But it's all about me. I said I must order, say and I'm saying it for the third time. Order. There are four supplementary questions on each question. Parties have given an indication of which questions their members wish to pose. Adequate notice was given to parties for this purpose. This was done to facilitate participation of members while connecting to the seat of sitting through the virtual platform. The members who will pose supplementary questions will be recognized by the presiding officer. In allocating opportunities for supplementary questions, the principle of fairness amongst others has been applied. If a member who is supposed to ask a supplementary question through the virtual platform is unable to do so due to technological difficulties, the party whip on duty will be allowed to ask the question on behalf of their member. When all the supplementary questions have been answered by the president, we will proceed to the next question on the question paper. The first question has been asked by the Honorable, the leader of the opposition. Honorable President. No, on a point of order, Speaker. On a point of order, Honorable Speaker. On point of order, Honorable Malema, yes? I thought uh, which, the last, rule? last time we agreed here that uh, the President will have to answer the unanswered question because we didn't conclude the business of uh, that session. So that, I thought that's where he will start uh, because he hasn't answered that question. Honorable Malema, just for your information, I don't know how you may have missed this. Two days ago in this chamber, a motion was raised, it was brought to the house, which was 
proposing a rearrangement of the questions by starting with this particular questions with the supplementary questions. And unfortunately, here, that motion was defeated. So the issue we are raising is, a raise, is an issue which was raised and was voted on. And unfortunately, as I say, or fortunately, the, 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 that motion was defeated. So we're not going back to that now. We are now proceeding with the questions for the day. The Honorable, the President. Uh, point of, point of order, Chair. Honorable PM Mudise, what is the point of order? Chair, it, it is going to be very important that when you write, you point of order. Tell me what the point of order say. is about. Tell me the what point the point of order, of order is, order is about. People yes, must not rise and just say point of order. G- give us the rule number. Honorable Mudise, Honorable Mudise, please withdraw there. The Honorable, the President, I've given you an opportunity to respond to the first question. Thank you. Honorable Speaker, Honorable Members, the challenge and problem of child malnutrition is a global problem. It is also a problem here on our continent, but bringing it back home here to South Africa. On the point of order, Speaker. Honorable members. On the point of order, Speaker. Yes, Honorable Member. Honorable Shavambo. Shivambo. The understanding is that before we deal with today's question session, there must be a response to the supplementary questions that were asked as question 11. Okay, on honorable, honorable on member, where were Florida. you when this matter was discussed in this house and when it was voted on? Honorable Shibambo, you are a chief. Where were you when this matter was discussed in this house and was voted for and, and was, uh, was agreed on what direction to take today? Because what I am doing now is based on a discussion and a decision of this house two days ago. So it is not, honorable member, wait a minute. I am, I am ruling that we are now proceeding on the basis of your advice as the house, because you discussed the matter and voted on it. And the agreement was that you will start with the questions for today and your last question will be the supplementary questions which the president must respond to from last time. Thank you very much, honorable member. We now proceed. The honorable, the president. Thank you, honorable speaker. Child malnutrition is one of the greatest impediments to the well-being of our people and indeed to the development of our society. As I said, it is a global problem, but it is a problem that we need to deal with. The fight against child poverty is therefore one of the priorities of this administration. This is reflected in several social protection interventions that the government has embarked upon to ensure that every child 
has access to adequate nutrition, decent housing, to free health care, to education, and also child care. Over the years, we have increased the coverage of the child support grant to protect poor and vulnerable children in our country. To date, over 13 million children have access to child support grants compared to 12.5 million in 2018. Various independent research findings, including those conducted by the United Nations Children's Fund, UNICEF, and the International Labour Organization, the ILO, have confirmed that the Child Support Grant directly reduces poverty and vulnerability amongst the children of our country. The social assistance program is complemented by other government interventions, including the school nutrition program and community nutrition and development centers that provide nutritious and healthy meals to vulnerable people and households. The number of learners, Honorable Speaker, that receive free school meals has increased by half a million over the last four years, from 9.1 million to in 2018 to 9.6 million now. Government has adopted 1,000 Days campaign, which aims to improve the nutrition of pregnant mothers and children during the first 1,000 days of life to help ensure that children get the best start in life and also the opportunity to reach their full potential. This initiative is implemented by the Departments of Social Development as well as the Department of Health. And it includes nutrition, education, and awareness for pregnant and lactating mothers, complementary feeding support, and growth monitoring and nutrition counseling as well. The Department of Social Development is currently working on a maternal support policy to introduce state social assistance provision for vulnerable pregnant women. Once the policy has been finalized, it will be presented for approval by the relevant structures. The coronavirus rapid mobile survey conducted between 2021 and 2022 concluded that despite significant investments in social grants, in food insecurity, and household and child hunger, remained stubbornly high. Child nutrition, or rather malnutrition, is in the end a product of poverty. It's also a product of unemployment and inequality that continue to persist in our country. Therefore, our interventions to support vulnerable children must be implemented alongside actions to drive inclusive economic growth investment, and job creation, which this administration has taken as top priorities. I thank you. I thank you, Mr. President.
The first supplementary question will be asked by the Honourable, the Leader of the Opposition. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. President, South Africa is a modern democracy and an upper-middle income country, and so you'd expect a certain level of care and protection for its citizens. Yet the latest statistics show that 41% of the similarity... Honourable Minister Sisulu, will you please mute your mic, your system? Thank you. 1% of South Africans cannot feed their families anymore. 81%... Honourable, sorry. Honourable Minister... Will you please mute your system? Thank you. Proceed, Honorable Member. 41% of South Africans cannot feed their families anymore. 81% of South African households are skipping uh, one meal a day. And obviously, this is a shameful indictment on government. Now, you've spoken about this plan today, and you've spoken about grants, but the reality is that the rise of food prices outstripping grants. Uh, it's clearly not working. We need a better plan and we need it fast. Now, we submitted to your office five suggestions over the course of the last fortnight that would ease that burden, cutting the cost of fuel taxes, reducing the, uh, redirecting the food aid from Cuba, um, import tariff uh, dropping on the number of food items. But perhaps the most important one that would make the biggest impact would be the additional selected food items onto the zero rated list. We recommended dropping VAT on bone and chicken beef, tinned beans, wheat flour, margarine, peanut butter, baby food, tea, coffee, and soup powder. But the chicken category alone will be a lifesaver for protein for household. Mr. President, will you commit today to reviewing the list of vet-free items, adding bone and chicken for the MTBPS as announced this year? Thank you. The Honorable the President. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Me? Oh, oh okay. Uh, thank you, Honorable Speaker. Let me welcome the analysis that uh, Ms., uh, Honorable Stian Hazen has put forward, as well as the practical approach of uh, setting out a number of proposals. I think the most important one that he highlights is zero rating certain food items. And uh, going through the chicken, the bone, and so forth, I'd like to say that the issue of addressing food prices that continue to rise, as well as fuel prices, is a matter that has been under consideration and continues to be under consideration by my cabinet colleagues. We have set up a team of ministers who've been looking at this. They did look at the fuel price rises and they came up with interventions. And the issue of food price rises has also featured on their radar screen. And clearly, issue of zero rating is a matter that Treasury has been grappling with for years because they have looked at the practicality of doing it and the impracticality in terms of the VAT tax system, which at times it is argued could complicate 
the entire VAT system. But I think if we look at what other countries do, we should be able to find some solutions. But at the same time, I don't want to preempt what suggestions and proposals could come through this process that we are involved in. We would not be able to say that before the medium-term policy budget statement is issued that any such intervention uh, should have been done because it is quite an involved process. But the concerns of our people, and not only Honorable Steenhuizen's concern, have been raised, and that is why the group of colleagues who have been working on this are continuing to look at a variety of options that we can look at or come up with to address the plight of our people because the rising food prices have not only affected South Africans, they've also affected many other peoples in other parts of the world. So we are duty-bound, therefore, to address this and... Uh, I'd like to say to Honorable Stiernes, and thank you for some of the practical points that you put forward. We'll see how best this can be done, and it really revolves around the practicalities of uh, doing or coming up with these types of interventions. What I can say now is that we are looking at the challenge of food price rises, and I'd like to thank Honorable Stiernes for his suggestions. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. I thank you, Mr. President. The second supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable O.M. Mataf. Thank you very much, Madam Speaker. Thank you, Mr. President, for your response. It actually addresses the chunk of my question, particularly as it relates to rising cost of living. Therefore, the question, Honorable President, is to find out what measures are we going to put in place in order to use inclusive economic growth, investment creation, and job creation in order to alleviate malnutrition in kids. Thank you very much, uh, Madam Speaker. Thank you, Honorable Member. The Honorable the President. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Clearly, the real issue here is to address the triple challenge that we have faced for many years, which is poverty, inequality, and unemployment. And through doing everything we can to foster economic growth, we hope and we intend to address the challenge of unemployment and want to see more and more people in employment because through that, that reduces poverty amongst our people and in the end should have an impact on inequality. Increasing investment attracting more and more investors into our country and those within our country to invest more and more as we create a conducive environment for them to invest is clearly one of the interventions we are committed to in terms of implementing our economic recovery and reconstruction plan, which is currently underway in terms of being implemented. And of course, we intend to continue with our grant system because the grants that are paid to our people, particularly 
child grants that are paid to the children of our country have proven by those who've implemented or embarked on researches that, as I think the UNICEF said, that it reduces poverty, but we obviously want to see much more. We want to see much more reduction of poverty, particularly when it comes to food poverty amongst our people and addressing the issue of food insecurity so that those who go to bed should go to bed, as they go to bed rather, they should not go to bed hungry. So those interventions that we have highlighted and many more that may well come up through the interventions that the colleagues can come up with will go a long way in addressing the challenge that the children of our country face. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. I thank you, Honorable President. The third supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable N.V. Mende. Thank you very much, Speaker. Mr. Ramaphosa, the problem of hunger and malnutrition is linked to the chronic problem of unemployment and resource poverty that affects predominantly black people. Without resolving this crisis, there is no hope in ending hunger. Linked to this is a lack of access to land and agricultural inputs for people to produce their own food. In Limpopo and Eastern Cape, KZN and the Western Cape alone, the levels of poverty are over 60%. Now, the question becomes, when will people have access to land? Because when you refuse the EFF Section 25 amendment, you said you have other alternatives. When will people have access to land so that they can have their own agricultural products and can deal with the issue of malnutrition? When can people who have the skill of opening saloons have land to open their own saloons so that they can deal with employment? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Honorable Honorable the President. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. The government continues to address the question of land. This National Assembly just yesterday passed the expropriation bill. That is one of the interventions that will be able to contribute in addressing the land hunger that our people have, because through that bill, we'll be able to expropriate land for public use, for the use of our people. And that, in many ways, will be answering precisely the issue of the demand that our people have always made on land. There are a number of other interventions that we continue to make. Honorable Manchester spoke about the needs of our people for agricultural implements, for assistance in their farming activities. Through the COVID period, we were able to implement a number of interventions which many of our people appreciated through the voucher system that we put in place, we're able to assist well over 200,000 people. 
And I have said that I'd like to see that scheme, which has been seen to work very well, to be expanded and to include more and more hundreds of thousands of black farmers or emerging farmers in our country. The challenge obviously is quite big, but our government is not sitting on its laurels. We are addressing the issue of land hunger. And as we said, there are a variety of interventions that we are embarking upon that are going to address this question on an ongoing basis. And as we look around our country, we do see a number of emerging black successful farmers who are themselves becoming a really good example to even younger black people who would like to go into farming. And of course, the need they have is more land, and that is precisely what we continue to address. So be rest assured, the issue of land is firmly on our agenda, and we will address it because our people need the land so that they can advance their lives. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. I thank you, Honorable um, President. The last supplementary question will be raised by the Honorable A.M. Sheikh Imam. Yeah, thank you, uh, Honorable Speaker. Mr. President, we knew about this problem of children being stunted in malnutrition in 1999. We set a target to end hunger and uh, prevent malnutrition by the year 2030. But I can assure you that it has increased in terms of the statistics from 25% to 27%. 10 to 20 children die in this country every day of malnutrition. Now, I know, Mr. President, you say that there are your colleagues are having meetings and discussing these things. Would you agree, Mr. President, that whatever discussion we're having are not good enough? Because it's not working. It's increased from 25 to 27 Percent number one, number two, you're not going to eradicate this by 2030. Means we have to change the target. But very importantly, local government is doing very little. Most of this malnutrition is at local government level, and the looting and the corruption and the only people that benefit there are politicians and officials at the expense of the poorest of the poor. What measures can be put to get more of those benefit to the people on the ground rather than? politicians and officials benefiting through corruption and not getting value for money. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. The Honorable the President. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Just a day or two ago, I had the occasion to address the local government summit where we had uh, key leaders of local government, as in mayors, as in speakers, as in chief whips, municipal managers, chief financial officers, and key directors at local government level. And that summit addressed a whole range of issues, including the issue of efficient and proper service delivery to our people, which just goes beyond also the, the usual type of services that needs to be delivered, but which also goes to addressing the social needs of our people, including dealing with poverty, including dealing with food security. And so this matter has been firmly brought to the attention of the key people who play 
important roles even at local government level. The finding or the conclusions of that local government summit will soon be known, and I'm hopeful that we will be able to draw a lot of good suggestions on what needs to be done. Honorable Imam is absolutely right. This has been a recurring problem over a number of years. The important thing is that the efforts that have, are being made by government needs to continue and not be lessened. And they need, we need to strengthen what we are doing at the present moment. As a government, giving grants to 13 million children in our country on a monthly basis and ensuring that more than 9 million children get a meal a day at school, that in itself is an important intervention. And clearly, together with a whole number of other interventions, we need to do more, and there is more that can be done. And some of the thoughts and suggestions that are being put forward are clearly things that we need to look at. So this is a problem that we have recognized and have recognized over a number of years, and the interventions that are being made continue to address precisely this problem. So the problem is under serious consideration and it is being addressed and we will continue to do so because we cannot let our children down. This is the future of our country and we therefore, through the 1,000 Days campaign and many others, we intend to ensure that this problem is addressed fully and completely. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, uh, Honorable President. Honorable members, question number 14 has been asked by the Honorable J.S. Malema, the Honorable the President. Honorable Speaker and Honorable Members, gangsterism, kidnapping, and extortion is in the main undertaken by those with criminal intent, criminal enterprises that both threaten the national security and erode the social fabric of communities. The South African Police Service has established several initiatives to address gangsterism and the crimes that are associated with it. The capacitation of SAPS members to address gangsterism is therefore an important priority for us. Since the anti-gang unit was established here in the Western Cape in November of 2018, it has made a number of arrests, 819 arrests for illegal possession of firearms and ammunition, 442 arrests for murder, 253 arrests for attempted murder, 1,387 arrests for drug-related crimes. It has also confiscated large quantities of firearms, ammunition, and drugs. These figures do demonstrate both the scale of the problem and the achievements of the anti-gang unit. The work of the unit includes 
integrated intelligence-led operations guided by regular interaction with a number of stakeholders in our communities, important information gathering from informers and analysis of crime patterns and threats. The organized and transactional, transnational rather, and cybercrime approach involves the identification and the investigation of organized crime threats. These multidisciplinary investigations are in the end not limited to a specific geographical area and may cut across provincial as well as international borders. These investigations may include even external stakeholders such as the National Prosecuting Authority and the Financial Intelligence Center. The aim is to disrupt, to neutralize, and to dismantle identified organized gang groups. The operation, the operational approach is complemented by a number of strategies that are aimed at focusing on specific crimes as well. For example, the SAPS has a plan to address gender-based violence and sexual offenses, which emanates from the National Strategic Plan and the gender-based violence and femicide. The GBV action plan is multi-sectoral and deals with issues such as domestic violence, sexual offenses, human trafficking, and serial rapes. The Directorate of Priority Crime Investigation, the HOCS, investigates money laundering and asset forfeiture on all national priority offenses, including kidnapping. While crime rates remain extremely high, it is evident from the reports of the SAPS, the HOCS, and the National Prosecuting Authority, and other law enforcement entities, that progress is being made. It is being made in apprehending and prosecuting criminals. And this is something that is sometimes not really fully recognized, but our police are making progress. There is a clear focus on dealing with a number of centers of criminal activity. And I think as a nation, we do need to give them credit for the work that they continue to do because it is important work and they are making a great deal of progress as they move on. Thank you very much, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable President. The first supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable OMC Maudwe from the virtual platform. Thank you very much, uh, Speaker. Uh, Mr. Ramaphosa, you are correct that you deployed soldiers in Cape Town in 2019 to deal with gangsterism, particularly in the Cape Flats, because that's where you think the focus um, should be. But we warned you as the EF about this, about this misguided decision. And we told you the deployment was not informed by any intelligence. 
President, we warned you that a public relations campaign would not solve the gangsterism problem. We also told you almost three years ago that you cannot solve a problem by sending soldiers who are supposed to protect our sovereignty as a country, but instead fight our people in their homes. You have spent more than 250 million rands in two years and you have nothing to show for it. Those numbers that you just mentioned now, they are nothing. But we know that gangsterism is food that come from Gauteng and other parts of the country. And you're not doing anything about drugs manufactured in Gauteng, particularly in Bryanston, Waterkloof in Pretoria and many other suburbs. We don't want to deal with this problem, uh, President. We know and we have told you that magistrates in Kailicha and Michel's Plain courts are corrupt. People are arrested today for serious crimes of murder, attempted murder and robbery and are released the next day on bail. Even when they are on bail, they still go back and do gangsterism. You know who the leaders of these gangsters are. Why are you not going to where they live and arrest them? Are you not arresting them because they work for the state, in particular the Minister of Police, and perhaps even yourself? Yes, Honorable uh, Khatebe. No, the... Thank you, Honorable Speaker. The member who was on the platform has just insinuated that the gangsters are working for the Minister of Police. And then it must be brought to a substantive motion. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable, uh, Honorable Member Khatebe. Honorable on the platform, Honorable Mawutwe, you know what to do. But it was a question, Speaker. It's not an insinuation, it's a question. That Honorable gentleman Mau- listen to the question. You must not come here and speak. Uh, Honorable Mautu. It was Honorable- a question. It was a question which was yes. coupled by language which should not be used in the house. Which language? Which language is that? Honorable Mautu. Yes, Speaker. Honorable Mautu. Yes. Yes. There are certain things which you said in your statement. On a point what of order, speaker. Which are what not in line with the rules of the House. On a point of order, speaker. On a point of order, speaker. Honorable on members, will you please allow me to deal with Honorable Mawutwe? But on a point of Why order, are you not speaker. just writing questions Honorable Mawutwe? Why can't you just write questions for us? If this is going to be the no, attitude. No, no Honorable Malema. He's asked, she's by, asking by, a question. By raising the a matter which relates to a violation of the rules, it On does point, not imply that I want... Don't do that. Honorable Malema, don't do that. On a point of wrong. order. You are wrong. Honorable Mautwe, I am still addressing you. And I have requested you to withdraw what you've just said. She's not going to withdraw anything. Let the president answer the question. She's not going to withdraw anything. Honorable you Malema, came here with a caucus I position that him. you're going to tell him to withdraw. Honorable members, uh-uh. just hold on, please. I am dealing with this matter. I am busy with my water. Please lower your hand. Lower your hand. Honorable Mautwe, I have requested you... You are confused because the point of order had nothing to do with the language. No, Honorable Josie. No. 
Don't do that. The point of order you are talking about had nothing to do with language. There is no point of order here. The issue is you the, the statement made. You are responding to Hatebe's point of order. Honorable Josie. Honorable Josie. Honorable Speaker, let speaker. the president answer the question. Will you please, the question. Will you please the remove Honorable Josie from the system? Honorable Speaker, the President is not going to answer a question no, that is out of Honorable order. Honorable Mawazi, from the system. No, Honorable Mawutwe, you Honorable and I speaker. are still on the floor. There you is no Mawutwe going to withdraw anything here. No, Mawutwe no, is not no, going no, to withdraw no. anything. No, Honorable Mawutwe is going to withdraw. Honorable please allow me to check. Honorable We are not going to listen to you. Don't pull this out. Honorable Mawutwe Mawutwe, you are nothing. All of you are nothing. That question of Honorable Mawutwe is out of Honorable will you please remove the two Honorable Members from the system? Remove Honorable Josie from the system. Remove Honorable Josie and remove Honorable Mawutwe from the system. Ow! Speaker, why are you... On the point of order, Speaker, no. Speaker, no. No, 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 Thank no, 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 Speaker, no. Thank you very much. Now we are emotional. No, 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 no. You're not going to do that. On the point of order, Speaker. Yes. I beg your pardon? On a point of order. What is the point of order? Honorable Maute has raised the question if the minister... It the was a question. Honorable... Honorable... Shivambu, you are correct. Honorable Maute raised a question. But... Before the question was even raised, the manner in which he characterized the person of the minister of police was incorrect, and you know this in but terms what of exactly did she say? What no, did she say? No. Uh, yeah. What exactly of order, speaker? You don't even know what Maudre said. You don't know that. No, speaker, you are making things up. You didn't. There's hear. nothing made up. It no, you are making if I may read what allow me to read what Honorable Mahutwe said. Yes. He says, you know who these gangsters are? Do you not deal with them because they work for the state? The minister of police or even you? What does that mean? It's a question. What it means exactly that. It's a question. Are they working for you, Mr. President? That's what the question is. Are you not arresting these people because they are working for you? Let the president answer the question. You will not. No, but you are not going to threaten us. not threatening. I'm just telling you. You are not. No, you are threatening us. Are you threatening people? You've been threatening us. You have been threatening us. You have been threatened by you, Speaker. Yet. You are not going I to be threatened by you. You, you can do what you want to do. Let Honorable the President Malema. answer the question. Honorable Malema.
Mr. President, Honorable the President, speaker, on, on a point of order, speak. Honorable the President, will you please continue? On a point of order, speak. Speaker, on a point of order. Speaker, on a point of order. What is yes, point allowed? Is allowed. Why are you taking our rights as members of parliament? Is that a point hey. of order? Yes. Okay. It isn't a point of order. I rule you out. Mr. President, you may proceed. No, Speaker, I'm raising on a point of order. ANC members speaker, why are you not recognizing us here? You are allowing them. You are allowing them. You are allowing to, ANC on, members to interject. To do what? To do to, what, Honorable look, Member? Look, they are interjecting. Honorable, Honorable members are interjecting. They are allowed. Honorable Don't Langwini, treat us like will that. Will you please speaker. switch Don't. off your mic? Honorable Langwini, thank you. On a point of order, Speaker. Honorable Malema. On a point of order, Speaker. Speaker. Yes, Honorable Malema. Yeah, I'm asking on on which basis do you want the president to answer now that you have removed the person who asked the because question? Because I am now using but Honorable Speaker, you can't and I'm allow allowing now to I'm allowing him to speak. The question can't arise as a point of order. To speak on this question because the the president was removed. Now you please mute your mic. We don't have to listen to him. Mr. Replies to answer and questions to the president, not to Julius. We can't listen to Julius. Honorable Magudo, is that a point of order? Honorable Speaker. Thank you very much, Honorable Speaker. I think uh, the President is responding to question two, that question of Honorable Malema. So the Honorable Member, when making that follow-up question, raising that follow-up question. She made some allegations against the Minister of Police and against the President that she is insinuating. So the rules say that if you are alleging something against a member of this House, you must bring a substantive It was a question. Thank you very much, Thank Honorable, you, Honorable Speaker. Speaker. And let's, con- let's not continue with the dialogue, Honorable Speaker. Thank you. We are here to listen to the responses of the President Thank because you. he's accountable to this House. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Zakude. Honorable Mkalipi? Yeah, thank you uh, very much, Speaker. Speaker. Speaker, please recognize me as well. Honorable Slamini, will you please switch off, mute your mic? Yeah, can you please, please recognize mute. me? Speaker. Honorable Mkalipi, yes. Yeah. Point of order. Yeah, I arise on a point of order, Speaker. Yes. To say that maybe we must refrain from allowing to uh, to be abused by Honorable Hadem. Each time there is a question that is raised by EFF, Honorable Hadem is the first one to jump no, on the No, man, please tell the This is not a point of order. No, it's a point of order. It's not a point of order. Speaker. He is abusing this platform, Speaker. He is abusing this platform. Speaker. Don't be biased, Speaker. Don't be biased. Honorable Mkalipi, will you please take your seat? Uh, speaker. Honorable Mar
Because you but keep on fighting without me giving you an opportunity. Honorable member, honorable member, no speaker, there is this fatherless who is so cool who is abusing us here. No, you can't allow it. The NC is there. No, you can't Thank you, honorable Suma. Speaker, wait. Honorable Suma, please, 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 I will not allow Honorable Zamini because Honorable Zamini has been barging in before I have given him the floor. And that is the reason the why of the I have not know. Don't it's speak me, on him. Of the you go Don't to speak on his behalf, Honorable are Member. You are so Please Honorable Member. Honorable Member. On the point of order, Speaker. Honorable Member. The person I will recognize is Honorable Shivambo. You know why? Because he had his name, his hand up on the system. Yeah, I do not have... Honorable Mashabma, I don't have it. And will you please? You can't be screaming, just please. Stop it. Stop it, Honorable Mashabella. Stop it, Honorable Mashabella. Continue. You continue. Honorable Mashabella. I said you will not do it again now. Right. Yeah, can I, can I speak now? I've been saying I must wait. Speaker. Speaker, you must do the same to Sibusiso Kula on virtual platform. And you have not been reprimanding him for quite a while. Mamela. Okay. Okay. So you must do, you must be consistent. I'm Honorable Mushala. Honorable member. Yes. You are not going to scream here. You no, I'm not screaming. I'm, I'm saying... Tula, honorable Madonna, I'm saying... You are not consistent. It's not your turn, Honorable Madonna. There's no Honorable Madonna. Honorable Madonna. Uh, point of order, Speaker. Now, honorable members, I, I am now recognizing honorable Shibambu, after which president will continue. Speaker, there is a person called uh, Zbusi Sokula here who has been saying Julius, Julius this, Julius that, and everything else. He says, Kata Brain, who has been speaking here. And you have what's never his, called him. What's his name on the system? Sokula. Yeah, he has been he has been making a lot of interventions here. Thank we have you. not called him to order. We have Thank not said you. to him that he must he must use. Thank the you very much. Up with-
platform. Can you please call it and make him to, to withdraw what he has been doing? Honorable Kula. Or be removed. Honorable Kula. I've called you twice. Honorable Kula. Yes, I'm, I'm paying attention. I've raised my hand on the platform. Once again, Don, what are you saying? You are passing remarks there and I've not heard them. Utini, you've made statements. What have you said? No, what I said, Speaker, is that uh, Honorable Malema is continuously disrupting the, the, the city. He rises to say, he rises on a point of order, but does not I raise did any not point give of you order. He raised the question that I said, that Honorable Kula, Honorable Kula, I did Honorable not speaker. request you to assist me with presiding this meeting. I did not invite you to speak. I did not invite you to speak. Now, will no, you please my... mute your system? No, I will do that. Speaker. Thank you that very much. You are not the Honorable President. The Honorable the President. Pay attention to his child. Speaker, on several occasions, this schooler has been saying Julius, Julius here. But, okay, Honorable, Honorable, Honorable Shivambu, I've heard you. And I want to say I will go and study what Honorable Kula have said. But Speaker. I have reprimanded Honorable Likula for assisting Speaker. me in presiding because I did not invite him to do so. And I've said he must now mute his system. And no, I'm, not, I'm not no, entertaining any point. You don't have to do those now. things. Just give us the chance of Kula. We'll attend to him. We don't have to do anything. Just Thank give us you, the chance of Kula. Damini, Who is Kula from Honorable where? Damini, That's all we need. Don't waste our time on checking things that are useless. Who is this? No, Marshal, don't threaten Honorable Zamini and Honorable Simang. Stop Zamini that location now. Stop that exchange on the road. Okay, you know no, what I'm going to do, Honorable members? Yes, all no, boys. Honorable members who are on the virtual platform, I will shut you down. Until I send location, send location, you and Judah send location. Honorable members, I am shutting down your system. When you see us, you run after us like puppies, and then you act brave here on virtual cowards. But we are not cowards, Julius. We are not cowards. You can't call us cowards. The Honorable the President, you are cowards. You are cowards. You are cowards. Honorable members. May I just draw your attention to something you probably have forgotten about, which is all of these things which are happening, it's the impact on the time. At the end of everything, honorable members will be complaining and saying, but when I say we've now come to the end of the question time, and you will complain that you've not had adequate time to follow up on the issues you would like to follow up on. May I just remind all of you that question time is three hours. After which, after which, honorable members, after which we will have exactly 45 minutes for the supplementary questions which are outstanding from the 30th of August. Three hours, honorable members, for these questions and 45 minutes for the last supplementary questions. When am I doing? This is the last time you are handling me. 
it's the last time you repeat it again, Uzaupuma. Uzaupuma. Honorable, honorable uh, member. Sorry, Kwakube. Speaker, uh, I'm rising on. I'm rising on Rule 79, Red uh, Rule 80. The contention that you're going to mute everybody on the online platform because of a few members who are disrupting the House is in contravention of those two rules. Because some members have been sitting there waiting for the president to respond. And now their right to participate in this House has been curtailed because of people who cannot behave. And so I urge you that you can't simply shut down the online system and really curtailing the rights of people to participate because of that. And please, if you can then just get the house in order so that we can hear the questions from the president. Thank you, Honorable Kwakube. Honorable members, point of order. The presiding officers, in terms of the rules, may want one to either switch off your mic, and if you are on a virtual system, if the, there's disorder in the house, like it has been going on now on the virtual platform, amongst members who are on the virtual platform, I will switch it off. I will switch it off. The people will have to raise their hand, the honorable members, they will raise their hand and they will be recognized. By switching off the platform, it does not mean that what we are doing here, they are not, it's not audible to them. They can hear everything we are discussing. They will raise their hand when they want to speak and they'll be given an opportunity. What I will not allow is for members to be engaging amongst our, themselves on the virtual platform without having been given an opportunity to do so. I just thought I should just clarify that. In terms of the rules, the presiding officer may take a decision to switch off the mic. They are not here. So I will mute them. Thank you, Honorable. I'm not going to allow you to raise your hands now. We are now proceeding. I'm not going to allow you because these points of order, when they are disruptive to the house, when they seek to cause disorder, the presiding officer has a right not to allow you to speak. So I'm not entertaining the points of order. I've told you that we have three hours within which we must finish these questions. And the last one will be 40 five minutes for the supplementary questions which are outstanding. Thank you, Honorable Mkalipi. Will you please lower your hand? Is it a point of order? Is it a point of order? Yes, okay. Thank you very much, Speaker. Speaker, you must take into cognizance that uh, in the absence of the chief whip of the EFF, I'm here as one of the whips. So when I raise my point, of, my, point my hand uh, for point of order is to address something to you, Speaker. As a whip of EFF. Point of order then? Yeah. What is the point of order? The point of order, Speaker, one, you have been calling my member with the wrong name and uh, that is not acceptable. No, man, call, man. No, second, no, let me finish, Speaker. They are, they are false. I'm, Correct I'm, me, what is the name? No, can I finish, Speaker? No, because I don't want us to, it's a trivial matter. We no, can't waste time on no, that. No, it's not. It's not. Musala. No, Honorable member no, Mushala. Speaker, I have not finished. Please, can we not be treated like stepchildren in this parliament? You're not stepchildren yes. at all. Please give me time. Okay. Okay, the then. Second, the second point that I want to raise with you, Speaker. We have been saying to one of the whips of the EFF, when? That is not acceptable from the Speaker. 
She Amba. is honorable Mashabel. Honorable Mashabel. Allow that speaker to just pass. I, will, I withdraw the winner. Yeah. Take your seat, Thank Honorable Mkalipi. Honorable Mashabela, I withdraw the 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 the, the reference to you as winner. You are Honorable Mashabela, and I'm sure all of us will behave as honorable members. Thank take please take your seat. Honorable Sword. Thank you, Speaker. I'll just rise on a point of order for clarity. Clarity. Where the ACDP leader is the next speaker to pose a question. And, and as the virtual platform has been muted, will those that are on the virtual platform be able to put follow-up questions? Will you just give clarity in that regard? Yes, Thank you. yes, Honorable Swat. Honorable Ndatesh Mishwe will be allowed to speak when his time comes. None of the people who are on the platform will be prevented from speaking. They will speak. Obviously, they can hear the debate in the House, but what I will not allow is for people to behave in a disruptive manner because they are on the virtual platform. Thank you very much, Honorable Member. Now, Honorable, uh, once more, Honorable Member, who I referred to as Madukwe, it's the table which, which committed that mistake. My sincere apologies, you are Honorable Mushala. And Honorable Mushala, you will then conduct yourself as Honorable Mushala. Now, honorable members, we now proceed and allow the honorable, the president to finish his question, his response to the question raised by honorable Maudwe. Thank you, honorable speaker. An assertion was made that we were misguided and mistaken and completely wrong in launching the anti gang uh, unit here in Cape Town in 2018. I actually launched that unit because, as it is said, that we had the wrong intelligence about the activities, the conduct of gangs. And it was also asserted that we also got the army or the SANDF to get involved in all this. I must say that the police are responsible and ably responsible for dealing with criminality and gang activity. When the army is brought in, it is brought in to support and to help the police. And as it turned out, because gang violence was rife, very rife at the time. The army in supporting the police did help a great deal. And when we launched the anti-gang unit, we saw a considerable decrease as well as a rising number of arrests. Because launching a specialized unit like we did has proven to be greatly beneficial. And we have gone ahead now to repeat that type of intervention in dealing with certain types of criminality. The bank heists, we've set up a unit and we're setting up a number of other units to deal with those types of criminality. And in doing so, the police have been very successful in arresting criminals 
and in dealing with criminality in an effective way. Now, admittedly, crime is quite rife in our country, and the police, whose number has declined over the years in relation to the population that we now have, are having a really difficult task, but we are increasing the number of police officials, and I believe that going forward, we will be able, they will be able to do a good job as they move on. An allegation has also been made that some of the criminals and drug lords work for government, which I deny completely, and that they also work for the minister and myself. These are allegations that are outrageous and we deny completely because there is no truth at all in any of these. The minister is the one who, together with the police officials, are working against criminals. And criminals are not working for the minister. Let's just be clear on that. The activities of the minister and the officials in the SAPS are directly reined against criminal activity. Now, we are focusing on criminality, including gang criminality and gang violence. And we will continue to do so. And there may well be times when uh, people think that we may not be winning the war, but the efforts that are being put in place are the types of efforts that are in the end going to make us prevail over these criminals and uh, gang leaders as well as gang members. That we can assure you, we have declared war against gangs and particularly here in the Western Cape, as well as in Gauteng. And our police officials will prevail against all those who participate in gang violence. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. I thank you, Honorable President. The second supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable K.R.J. Mishwe from the virtual platform. Will you please open the virtual platform, Pontate Mishwe? Thank you, Honorable Speaker, and thank you, Mr. Honor, President. Honorable Honor, 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 Speaker. Honorable Malema, will you please allow Ntate Mishwe to raise yeah. I don't want question. to disrupt, guys. Please, uh, please uh, allow Ntate Mishwe to raise his question. Yeah, but I'm raising on a point of order before he speaks. What is the point of order, Honorable Malema? You are, you are removal of Honorable Mautwe is wrong because the president has diligently dealt with the question as raised, which proves you wrong. That okay. it was entirely an act that is completely out. The president had capacity to respond to it and he responded to it. Where you have made the mistake as a speaker, you must admit and recall it back. The question has been responded to. And we Thank are, we you very much. Honorable Malema, Honorable Malema, you know the reason why I removed Honorable Maudwe, that he was casting aspersions on the Minister of Police and the person of the President. You know that's why I did that. The President may have responded to the issues as you would have wanted him to, but it does not remove the fact that I removed Mema Maudwe, Honorable Member, because she had cast Aspersions on the on the on the 
on the Minister of Police and the President of the Republic. I now proceed, Tate Mishwe. Thank you, ma'am. In February of 2019, the SAPS presented a progress report on the rollout of the anti-gang strategy and rollout of anti-gang units to the PC Committee on Police and various civil society organizations. Even though the presentation raised hopes that the fight against gangsterism in our communities can be won, reality on the ground proves otherwise. All strategies that the police have used so far have not reduced crime or faced out gangsterism. My question to you, Mr. President, is what will government do to restore trust by communities in police ability to combat gangsterism as community involvement is essential in gathering intelligence to combat crime and gangsterism effectively, particularly because police are seen to have failed our communities enormously. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Speaker. Thank you, Ntatemishwe, the Honorable the President. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Yes, I'm aware of the report that was given in 2019. That was soon after we launched the anti-gang unit. And clearly, over the time, as I indicated, progress has been made. And of course, because of the enormity of the challenge and the problems that our people are facing on the ground, it may seem like not much progress is being made. And we have admitted that there are a number of gaps and weaknesses. And one of those is the incapacitation of the police in terms of not having sufficient personnel in their ranks to deal with all manner of criminal activities. And it is for that reason that the State of the Nation address, I did stand here and say we are going to increase the numbers of police a problem which the Minister of Police has raised repeatedly. And we have now been able to employ a further 10,000. And it was something that had to be done because the per capita ratio between population and police officials had uh, gone the wrong way. And we are now addressing precisely that. And with further increases that we should have in the police personnel ranks, we are going to be able to increase police presence, police activity, and police surveillance against crime on an ongoing basis. And we're also moving ahead with uh, specialized units, as I said, and also training the police much more effectively. When I appointed the Commissioner of Police, one of the things that he highlighted in outlining the priorities that he was going to focus on was the issue of community policing for us, that he would want to lay more emphasis on working with our communities, working with our people through community policing forums. And that is a process that is now underway because Honorable Reverend Michel is absolutely right. Community involvement is absolutely essential if we are going to 
bring down the levels of criminality in our nation. As I've often said, criminals are usually known in our communities. Our people know who the criminals are, who the drug lords are, who the rapists are all the time. You just need communities to stand up, participate in community policing for us, and we will be able to make much better headway. And it is this mobilization that the minister and the commissioner of police and other officials are working on together, including the deputy minister. They are working on this to ensure that we do get our communities properly motivated to participate in uh, bringing criminality down. So, Honorable Meshwe, absolutely right. Community involvement is important. But I would say that, yes, much as our people at times lose hope, there are times when they see police excellence and they usually applaud that. And we want to see more and more of police activity and excellence where police are seen visibly taking action against criminals. And that, I have noticed, does lift the spirits of our people. And this much I've said to the minister and the police officials that we need to be visibly be present amongst our people. And our people also need to see that the police are making headway against acts of criminality. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. I thank you, Honorable President. The third supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable the Zungula. Thank you. Thank you, Speaker. <clears throat> Thank you for pronouncing my surname correctly. Mr. President, in line with your stated commitment to eradicate the criminal economy, and if you are genuine with that commitment, why did you not report the crime in Palapala to the relevant and appropriate law enforcement institution, like how all nation, how, how, like how all citizens are expected to report a crime? Secondly, what message does it send to the nation when the allegations of money laundering, kidnapping, torturing, all happening in the president's farm? And the president refuses to take the nation into his confidence. And secondly, the president refuses to account to parliament about what transpired. Thank you. I thank you, Honorable, uh, the, the Honorable, the president. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. I have said and admitted that uh, there was a theft at the farm and I reported that to a general of the South African police who later informed me that he's also reported it to another general of the South African police. That matter obviously is under processing within, with, within the police service. They are dealing with it. I deny that there was any form of money laundering. I have said, and and I've said it more publicly, that it was proceeds of sale of game. 
eyes. Order, Kaloku, order. Order, honorable members, order. Order, honorable members, would you please listen? Proceed, Mr. President. I have been a cattle farmer and a game farmer for a number of years, a matter that I have disclosed in my disclosures here in Parliament, as well as to the Secretary of the Cabinet. And that is an activity that sometimes results in the sale of cattle, as well as the sale of uh, animals such as buffalo, sable, drone, and what have you. And that is a matter that takes place from time to time, and even recently, we've been able to conclude, my managers have concluded, a process where a parcel of buffalo was also sold. So that, in my view, is not money laundering. It is a process that goes on. As regards to accounting to parliament, I have said that I'm willing, prepared, and able to subject myself, subject myself to all manner of investigations, as well as inquiries, as well as processes that are unfolding here in Parliament. There is now a Section 81 process, which, 89 rather, meant to say 89, process which I have clearly and openly said, I will cooperate in, and I will cooperate to the fullest of my ability. This matter has been subjected to a number of investigations by a number of authorities. The other time I counted, there were up to seven or eight authorities that are looking into this. And I have said very openly, but I'm willing to subject myself to that process, and that process is now underway. And my accountability to Parliament will obviously fully culminate in the structure of the Section 89 Committee that you, as members of the National Assembly, have set up, and that is where my full cooperation will also be displayed. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable President. The last supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable MGE Hendricks. Honorable Hendricks, is he on the virtual platform? Would you please open for Honorable Hendricks if he is on the virtual platform? Okay, Honorable um, Hendricks uh, is not here. Uh, shall we then proceed to deal with question number 15? You'd like to ask a follow-up question? Yes? Mr. President, um, thank you very much to your, for your response, and we certainly welcome the fact that you've broken the silence. Mr. President, I would ask you a simple question. If you reported it to a police in the general, a general in the police force, why was no case number ever given, and why was no case open? Thank you. 
The Honorable the President. I, I reported it as one would report. And when you report to a, a police general, you expect that processes will unfold in the way that they should. And in the end, the police general will be able to answer that question. Thank you. I thank you, Honorable the President. Question number 50, Honorable Members, has been asked by the Honorable JCN Mkwanazi, the Honorable the President. Honorable Speaker, according to the information received from ESCOM, the remaining costs to complete Medubi is close to 19 billion rand. All six Medupi units have reached the stage of commercial operation and the current focus is on completing the balance of the plant and remedial works. The remaining cost to complete Kusile is around 14 billion rand. Four out of six Kusile units are in commercial operation, and the current focus is on completing the commissioning of the remaining two units. ESCOM's intention is to complete the remaining scope of works at Midupi and Kusile within the current project budgets and approved by the ESCOM board. ESCOM is making steady progress in developing and implementing effective technical solution to the major plant defects at both power stations, Midupi and Kusile. As a result, the availability and reliability of the commissioned units at Midupi and Kusile is improving on an ongoing basis. The effective correction of the major plant defects at Midupi and Kusile will ensure that the plants achieve their contractual performance with improved reliability as well as availability factors. As an example, before the correction of the major plant defects, the energy availability factor at Midupi was 64% measured over 12 months. To date, in this financial year, the energy available factor is at Mudupi is now around 85%, which is a considerable improvement. Now, these figures exclude the impact of the turbine incident at Midupi Unit 4, which is consequently currently offline for repairs. This plant performance improvement represents a significant improvement in the energy output for the station in support of the national grid. So what I can say is that there is improvement and we have now collectively as a nation come to realize that these power stations in built, as they are being built, are really complex processes. And at times when they are not well designed, they even become more complex something that we've been suffering from because the design defaults or defects 
have actually contributed to a large extent to the load shedding that we currently having. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. I thank you, Honorable President. The first supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable JCN Kwanazi. Uh, thank you, Honorable Speaker. Honorable President, uh, we note uh, with appreciation uh, the progress done at Medupi and Kusile power stations and the continuous hard coordinated work by Cabinet uh, led by yourself, Honorable President, to deliver the sustainable and affordability electricity to South Africans. Uh, Mr. President, in the light of the design and technical flaws, at Medupi and Kusile power stations, which contributed at not only to the delays in the completion of both power stations, but also in instability to power stations, uh, generating units, leaving the country prone to energy insecurity. Uh, Mr. President, has the government considered holding those companies that were responsible for the design and technical flaws uh, at these power stations uh, to, to account, given the load shedding and uh, distress that continues to this day, and what progress uh, so far. Thank you so much, uh, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable Member. The Honorable the President. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Yes, there are processes underway, and some of which have reached a measure of fruition to look at the challenges from the point of view of doing proper investigations on what has resulted in the flawed designs, flawed operational capability of some of these plants, and also looking at maladies that have occurred in the process, such as either overpricing as well as corruption that uh, got underway. And as they are unraveling and uncovering many of these, there have been follow-throughs to some of the entities to a point where, yes, through investigations that have been launched and initiatives that have been embarked upon, there have been funds or monies that have had to be claimed and returned and that work is ongoing because having spent so much money in constructing these two power stations, we obviously need to do thoroughgoing investigations to find out precisely what we spent money on. And some of it must result in looking at everything that happened, including the design process, and the operational incapacity or incapability of some of these power stations. So that work is underway, and I know that ESCOM has a team of people who are looking very introspectively into that. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable President. The second supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable the Leader of the Opposition. Mr. President, let me remind you again what you said back in 2015, and I yes, quote, sir. 
in another 18 months to two years, you will forget the challenges that we had with relation to power and energy and ESCOM ever happened. But it's now more than seven years later, and we're having our worst load shedding year ever. Households having businesses having blackouts for up to 12 hours a day now. Yeah. This is the most costly failure in our country's history, and yet you have fired nobody. The fact that ministers Mantasha and Godan remain in their positions is a demonstration to the nation that you have clear confidence with them and are satisfied with their performance. Will you tell South Africans today what level of sustained load shedding should get these ministers fired? Thank you. Thank you. The Honorable the President. The challenge of load shedding that we are going through is not the willful and planned intention of anyone who works in the state system from ministers, and I would say even the ESCOM executives themselves. Now, our energy architecture is quite complicated. And as I've said before, it did not start yesterday. We've been through this over a number of years. Yes, in 2015, I did based on the information that we had, and I had also based it on the Medupi and the Kusile units coming into operation. And because so much money had been invested in those two mega power stations, many of us around the nation thought that these two power stations are really going to boost our energy generation. And I must say, I stored a lot of confidence, even as I went to Medupi, to go and see the launch of one of those units. I genuinely did believe, even then, that we have found the solution to our energy problems. But lo and behold, where we are today, and it has not been the willful and clearly planned intention of anyone that I work with. This has been a calamity of enormous proportions, which we all admit, I mean, just uh, two weeks ago, to have almost 50% of our electricity generation capacity just collapsing, one after the other and the next and the next. It's not something that was planned by the minister or the CEO. It is something that really happened and which we are dealing with. When, almost two months ago, when I... Uh, announced the plan, the broadest plan that we have, obviously did not foresee that we would lose 50% capacity. In fact, what we had wanted to do is to add more capacity and to repair and to maintain the fleet that we have. It's a process that is underway. And yes, admittedly, some mistakes have been make, made along the line, and we are looking at that, and we will be following through on what needs to be done. Now, load shedding continues to happen to the detriment of our economy, the detriment of our people. Nobody in the country is happy with load shedding, including myself. And we are working on it. Yes, you mentioned cable theft. From cable theft to criminality to the the the, the, the age of our uh, power stations and all that. I mean, 
has combined to land us where we are, but we are addressing the problem. And everybody is focused from the two ministers are focused on it, including all the executives. They've been put under tremendous pressure to address this. Yes, we are going to be making some announcements and we hope and trust and believe that that will then take us forward. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable President. The third supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable NLS Kwangwa. Good speaker, thank you very much. Honorable President, I put it to you that uh, it would be irresponsible for the government uh, to put the energy needs or to entrust the private sector with the energy needs of the country when we know that energy is a public good. Secondly, is that pushing people towards independent power producers, why it might help to alleviate the load shedding problem in the short term, but it will eventually lead to the death of ESCOM. An ESCOM that has a very high debt, which will need to be paid by the taxpayer. Now, instead of us leasing land near power stations of ESCOM, such as in Mpumalanga, to independent power producers, why have the state not invested in renewable energy on behalf of the taxpayers? Because you know that in terms of an introductory price, it might be cheap now, but in the long term, the private sector is going to charge a lot of money and make it unaffordable for the poor if we don't take, make those interventions now. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. The Honorable the President. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Yes, indeed, energy is a public good. And the process of restructuring ESCOM is not meant to sacrifice this public good and just give it away to, say, private sector actors. As you would have listened very carefully as we've outlined this, we have said that the generation of energy should be done in a way where we do have a number of players. And this is part of our energy plans over time, which have been made available and discussed even here, that we should be able to have at the generation level a number of players, including local government. Local government plays a critical role in the energy sector. They distribute, they dist and they raise revenue through energy. And so we're also saying that they should also be able to generate. And how they generate could be through independent power producers who they either reach agreement with or which they themselves do. ESCOM will forever, in my book, remain the major energy producer in our country. ESCOM produces or should produce about 45,000 megawatts. And that that is a mega, mega entity. And I don't see even a local government like Cape Town, Johannesburg, being able to, to overtake ESCOM uh, in, 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 in generating energy. That is something that will not happen. So in terms of your, your saying, why has, has the government not invested? ESCOM is in great debt, enormous debt. 
And right now, we've said that ESCOM must also be a player in the renewable energy sector. And that's precisely what ESCOM is working on. But in order for ESCOM to do that, it needs the financial resources. And right now, the financial resources are with the private sector. The private sector has the financial resources to generate now. The restructuring process that we are going through is that, yes, that you can have a number of generators, but the transmission, that is the real backbone of your energy architecture. The transmission will always be owned by the government. That is a must. Distribution can also have a number of players. And ESCOM will also continue to be a very key player in distribution. Now, I've often said, I've often said that, you know, the the monopoly that any entity can have in generating, for instance, energy as we have, is quite risky. And we now are living through the risk. We're living through the risk because we've got only one company that generates for the whole nation. And I often tell people this story that as I fly at night from Cape Town to Pretoria, Pretoria to Cape Town, you just see the lights on in the many towns in our country. And the fear I continue to have is that it's only one company that is generating that. And I say, this is very risky, extremely risky, whichever way you can look at it, even if you look at it ideologically, it is real dangerous risk. And that is why we say, have a number of players. You already have a number of players in distribution. ESCOM is not the only distributor of energy. You've got municipalities that distribute. You've also got companies that distribute energy in, 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 you know, in certain areas. So you can have a number of distributors, a number of generators. What we have made sure is that ESCOM, yes, is as big as it is. It will never be overtaken. But the transmission line will always be owned by government. And that we are not going to turn back on because we must own the pipe through which this uh, electricity goes. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable President. Hmm? The last supplementary... The last supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable K.P. Sitoli. Uh, th- thank you, Honorable, uh, uh, Honorable Speaker, Honorable President. With reference to this unit being reported as being over budget, faulty and long overdue, what guarantees the country have that this unit won't experience failures and damage emanating from initial oversight? And what consequences management measures will government implement? as an accountability oversight measure. Should additionally units be built, shed the burden of a strain electricity grip, how will government ensure that proper and accurate procedures are implemented to avoid any more faulty and overspending and delays? Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. The Honorable the President. As we build all these units, I think one of the problems that we need to be alive to is that 
ESCOM was the once the best energy generator in the world. It was it was ranked uh, much higher than the sovereign, which is our country. It was a top performing uh, business a number of years ago, and over time, and including the time when state capture uh, set in, we. Well, it started off with a, a decision that was taken that we should stop building power stations, that ESCOM should stop, and that has been admitted that there was such a decision. And so ESCOM stopped building power stations. But that, what that resulted in is that your experts, your, your engineers, and your key sort of uh, developmental uh, officials then left. And we are finding some of them as we are scouring the world to find good engineers. We're finding them in the Philippines. We're finding them in the Middle East and many places. So that capacity then was denuded from ESCOM. And as we were building these new power stations, we did not have internal capacity to be able to manage the contracts properly, to be able to oversee what was being built, and to also check carefully the designs. And I would argue that the designs needed to be done by ESCOM itself rather than being done by outsiders. And so that capacity and knowledge and expertise was gone. It was no longer there. So then we were building these power stations and corruption set in. And that is why the prices just escalated on an ongoing basis without the necessary people inside who would be watching our back or ensuring that everything is done properly in the interests of ESCOM. So what guarantee can we give that as these units are now being developed? I think, and I know, no, we can, we can, because we know what has happened in the past, in the recent past. We've been unraveling corruption, and some of it has been like ongoing, the current management is unraveling a lot of corruption. And even as people say they must go, they must go, they are becoming so focused in unraveling corruption. I must tell you that I went to a power station to Tuka a few weeks ago, and the manager was telling us how things like diesel was purported to be delivered diesel for which the power station was paying four million a month and it was not being delivered. And he literally had to run after somebody who was driving a truck to stop them because they were lying in saying that they were delivering diesel. So we've got now managers, got managers and executives who are unraveling a lot of corruption that has been ongoing. Now you say, give a guarantee. And I say, Yes. Now the awareness about corruption has heightened and the pursuit of the corruptors or the, the thieves has gone to a higher level. And so that when these units are being built now, we're going to be watching this like hawks. And we brought in the South African police as well, who are also getting involved. And the SSA is also getting involved in looking very closely at what is happening at, uh, at ESCOM. So 
you say, will proper procedures be followed? Yes, we are going to follow proper procedures because ESCOM was, you know, the, the, the bed of, of, of corruption. Uh, and now we are focusing more attention and making sure that proper procedures are followed, proper governance is followed, and the procurement process is also such that uh, it is it is properly done. So I'm having quite a lot of confidence in our ability to finish these units and finish them within the budgeted amounts that we have put up. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable President. Question number 16. Question number 16 has been asked by the Honorable S.M. Chafta. The Honorable, the President. Honorable Speaker and Honorable Members, while the matter of illicit financial crimes was not discussed at the bilateral with the U.S. President Joe Biden, this matter has been discussed specifically at the G20 meetings where a number of our ministers and officials attend over time and as we prepare to go to the next G20, uh, this matter has been discussed uh, where the U.S. as well as South Africa are also members. The discussions at the G20 are based on agreements that arise from the inclusive framework on base erosion profit shifting. The inclusive framework on base erosion and profit shifting consists of 137 countries who collaborate on the implementation of 15 action items covering areas such as the digital economy, harmful tax practices, treaty abuse, and dispute resolution. The South African reserves, rather the, the SARS, our SARS, revenue service that is, established an illicit economy unit two years ago, and it is seized with fighting illicit financial crime. As part of rebuilding process, SARS has also reconstituted the customs and excise unit, the large business and international tax unit, and the high wealth individuals unit. These units operate distinctly but complement each other in the fight against illicit financial crime. SARS cooperates with the United States Internal Revenue Service on matters such as benchmarking, training, and investigations. There is no reason to set up a separate agency within or outside of SARS, which is the only organ of state administering our tax laws and hence implementing the laws we have enacted to give effect to the action items in inclusive framework on base erosion and profit shifting. The government has adopted a whole of society approach on this matter. Industry, civil society, regulators, financial institutions and law enforcement agencies cooperate in two interagency working groups with the sole purpose of combating illicit economic activities. I see there's a lot of excitement in the House when I say whole 
of society involvement. I'm so glad that honorable members are so in love with this concept and uh, I hope they recognize that that is precisely what government is committed to doing. Thank you, honorable speaker. Thank you, honorable president. The first supplementary question will be asked by the honorable SM Charter. Thank you, honorable uh, speaker. Honorable President, this parliament recently approved the multilateral convention to implement tax treaty related measures to prevent base erosion and profit shifting. The U.S. has also approved this convention. Part of the underlying currents giving rise to these crimes is the role of professional enablers in creating illicit offshore accounts and shell companies for criminals, such as lawyers, accountants, financial institutions, corporate and trust service providers. Would it not be appropriate, therefore, for the president and his counterpart in the U.S. to have a future bilateral on how professional bodies and trust service providers in both jurisdictions can closely work together to erode these financial crimes? I thank you. Thank you. The Honorable the President. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. I do take counsel in uh, what the Honorable Member has said, that should we not have a bilateral which will address these matters. And I did say that during our uh, meeting, which was an official visit to the United States uh, in the White House, we did not really get an opportunity to deal with this matter because we were dealing with a whole number of matters. We raised up to 20 matters with the, the, the U.S. president, and we were able to make quite a lot of progress in addressing a number of those issues. This matter uh, is being dealt with at the G20 level, and uh, I say we will take counsel from what the honorable member is saying because when we next interact with each other, we could also raise this matter, which is important for, for both countries. And so we should be able to take it forward. But it will also be against the backdrop of what we are doing at the G20, because that is where our officials, our various ministers, participate with others from various countries of the G20, uh, to deal with matters such as these. But taking this type of matter up on a bilateral basis also helps. But at the G20 level, we're then able to, to craft protocols and rules that should be followed by many countries. As you had, 137 countries have uh, been able to participate and sign on to this a process that deals with this matter. And the G20, which is an important voice uh, that involves not only your developed economy countries, but also your developing economy countries. So when we do meet in Indonesia uh, in a few weeks, this is one of those matters that is going to be top of the agenda as it has been addressed by our officials as well as ministers. But we do take counsel from that. And thank you very much, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable President. 
The second supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable Tim Kweba. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Speaker. Mr. President, Mr. President, we need a holistic society approach to deal with economic acts of sabotage of the revenue base of our country. We do not need a separate agency, but rather better results from the existing agencies. What we do not see is a commitment by corporate South Africa and global monopolies in acknowledging that it is they who have presided over the manufacture of these corrupt practices. Therefore, Mr. President, do you not think that 20 years of the implementation of compliance measures, the country's framework still seems to to be biased towards compliance rather than assisting the country to solve crime and seizing assets derived from such activities and those convicted sent to jail? Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable Member, the Honorable the President. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. This is an ongoing process, and I do agree with the Honorable Member that, yes, we do not need another agency because the current agencies can deal with this matter uh, properly. And in fact, as I said earlier, SARS has set up all these units that work distinctly on their own, but on a cooperative basis. So the one hand knows what the other hand is doing. And therefore, we are seeing quite a lot of progress. And I hear the Honorable Member clearly when she said that uh, we don't see a commitment from corporate South Africa. And to the extent that there is no commitment, the law and what SARS is doing will catch them out. Because in the end, SARS does have teeth that bite. And SARS will be able to follow up uh, all those who do not follow due process, and uh, SARS will be able to recover uh, whatever uh, has been lost to the Republic. So I have and store a great deal of confidence in SARS' ability, particularly through the resuscitation of some of the units that were done away with and establishing those units that will make sure that we deal with this matter effectively. And as we speak now, SARS is making a great deal of progress. And uh, we should really strengthen SARS and applaud them for all the work that they do in this regard. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable President. The third supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable, the leader of the opposition. Mr. President, thanks very much. I'm sure you've been made aware in recent months of a number of existing laws and regulations aimed at prohibiting financial crimes, such as the ones listed by Honorable Jaffa, and he took an oath of office to hold them. Existing exchange control regulations, for example, require that you receive prior permission before receiving payment in a foreign currency, and that you declare and sell back all foreign currency to an accredited dealer within 30 days of receipt. Now, instead of proposing a raft of new interventions in international cooperation, should the focus rather not be on making sure the existing laws are enforced so that we can bring to book all of those people who have stockpiles of illicit foreign currency stashed away in their couches and their homes? And should you not be setting an example in this regard? Thank you, Honorable Member. 
Thank the you. The Honorable, the President. Uh, I think you're referring specifically to my, my situation. Uh, the whole, yes, uh, the South African Reserve Bank uh, is, is working on this matter and uh, it is dealing with it. And I have made my disclosures and uh, my various managers have also made their disclosures. So this matter is being dealt with, and uh, the, I'd like to leave it to the South African Reserve Bank to make their own conclusions on this matter and, uh, and determinations. And uh, as I said earlier, the level of cooperation on my side and uh, those who are associated uh, in this matter uh, has been quite extensive, and uh, the, I have cooperated fully. And so... This matter is being dealt with, and uh, we should leave it to the regulators and the authorities to deal with. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, uh, Honorable President. The last supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable N.F. Shibambo. No, thank you very much, uh, Speaker. I think it's common cause that South Africa is defined by massive revenue leakages, through aggressive tax avoidance, profit shifting, and illicit uh, flows. And part of those examples is the 2.5 billion that was shifted by loanmen when you were a president, uh, Mr. Ramaphosa. You, you were a board member of loanmen. It was contained in a Fallon Commission report that 2.5 billion was shifted to a tax haven uh, called Bermuda. And that also includes like more than 2 billion US dollars, which was shifted by multinational corporations such as Anglo-American and Glencoe, which Shanduka, your company, has got business relationships with. And that was contained in the high-level panel a report on illicit financial flows from the African continent. Uh, and this also, of course, includes like, the bringing in of millions of currency and trading with currency domestically, despite the fact that you are not allowed to trade in foreign currency in the country without certain regulations that have to be complied with. So outside of the multilateral and bilateral treaties, uh, this needs a solid and sound domestic legislation to deal with aggressive, particularly aggressive tax avoidance and profit uh, uh, shifting, which are the primary instruments of revenue-based regime. Why is it that there is still no legislation that deals with aggressive tax avoidance despite these massive revenue leakages? Now, a question is, is it because you are a puppet of these multinational corporations or a partner, or because you are also involved in illicit financial flows, as evidenced by the fact that you have refused thus far to disclose to the South yes, African Reserve Bank in terms of the money that point of order, are in Thank you. Th There's a point of order. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. The speaker on a platform has used the unparliamentary language according to Rule 84 by referring to the president and the head of state as the puppet. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Honorable Khatebe. Speaker. Honorable, Honorable Shivambu. Yes, Actually, the, the, it's, a question, it's a question that says, no, is it no because way. you are a puppet of multinational corporations? No, I have not Honorable, will make that observations. Honorable Shibambo, will you yet, please yet. withdraw the word "puppet" from your statement? Speaker, will you I'm please asking, withdraw the word "puppet." 
Okay, I'm withdrawing the word puppet so that I can conclude this question. The question is: Thank you very is much. It because, is it because you are a lucky or a lap dog of these multinational corporations that are directing you to 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 avoid passing proper legislation that will deal with a, 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 a aggressive tax avoidance, a profit shifting? which are the primary instruments for revenue-based erosion? That is the question that I'm asking. And is it because of the millions of rent of Honorable dollars Suma. that are hidden? Honorable Shibambo, in fact, you, you, you've gone much. way beyond your time. Thank Honorable you. Suma. Thank you very much, Honorable Speaker. Honorable Shibambo has used unparliamentary word against the president, calling him a slave, which is unparliamentary. Thank you very much. Can you rule on that? Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Honorable Lisuma. Honorable Member Shivambo. Honorable Li, um, Honorable speaker, Shibambo, speaker, speaker, speaker. You I'm asking a question if he is no. a lucky or a lap dog. What is, what is wrong with asking a question? No, Honorable I'm Shibambo, not making you know that is wrong. I'm not Honorable making Shibambo, a conclusive remark yet. Honorable Shibambo, you know that is lady. wrong. Will you please withdraw that? But I'm asking uh, a question. Can, can you wait? I'm still dealing with a point of order. But it's a question. Honorable Shibambo, will you please withdraw what you've just said? Speaker, speaker, okay, I have my hand up. Honorable Shibambo. Speaker, I yes, have my okay, hand speaker, up. Speaker, speaker, what you have just I w- said. I would, I would draw that and then I replace that with the word, <laughs> is he an, a, a, a servant? Is he a servant of multinational corporations that are sending him to avoid passing Honorable, thorough and Honorable comprehensive Shibambo. legislation? Yes, I've, I've, I've withdrawn. Honorable Shibambo. Earlier on, I had talked to some of the things which we need to avoid and names which we need not use in calling out one another or in describing our personalities as individuals. I'm really appealing to you. You have withdrawn, but I want to make an appeal that we do not use such language in this house again. Thank you very much, Honorable Shivambu. Now, yes, I'm also Stombe Nix, Honorable Mkalipi. Okay. Yes, will you raise what yeah. you wanted to raise? Yeah, Speaker, I'm just cautioning you. We are we are doing the same mistake that you've done with Honorable Mautwe. Allow the president to answer the question. It's a question and session. Thank you so very just much. allow him. Thank you. Don't be a buffer zone between you and the president. Thank you very much. Honorable Mkalipi, Honorable Mkalipi, I've not prevented the president from responding to the question raised by Honorable Shivambo. What I am doing is exactly what you know should not happen, should be done in the chamber. That is to withdraw words which seek to portray a person in a particular way. No, no, no. You you may not agree, but it's in the rules, actually. Okay, I will tell you now. Thank you. But you know, Honorable... 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 No, you see, Honorable Castle, Mr. Castle, you are causing confusion. And now he's latching onto that. No, don't do that. 
Honorable member, Honorable member Mkalipi, please man, let us not throw names that seek to impugn our dignity and our integrity as honorable members. I'm just making an appeal, honorable member, please. We now proceed uh, to allow the honorable the president to respond minus what has been withdrawn. Honorable president, it's not in the statement. Okay, thank you, Honorable Speaker. I did, however, want to say the last time I checked myself, I am not a lapdog. I don't go about licking other dogs, and I'm not a puppet, so I'm least concerned about that reference because you can only be concerned if you are a puppet or if you are a lapdog. I'm not, so what he has said passes on my back like water on a duck, so I'm least concerned. So, but more importantly, more importantly, I think uh, Honorable Shibambu does raise an important point that rather than rely on multilateral uh, processes and, uh, and institutions, as well as uh, regulations, which are necessary, by the way, if we are to uh, do this on a global basis. We should pass our own laws. And uh, that process, obviously, is a process that is underway. You know, Treasury uh, is, 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 is looking closely at this. Uh, SARS is also involved and indeed our various agencies. And this matter has been obviously brought more to the fore through a number of other processes. And I should say that at the AU level, our former President Thabo Mbeki was involved in leading a process of looking at the financial flows, illicit financial flows out of our continent. And he and his team found that there are billions and billions of dollars that flow out of our continent illicitly. And AU has been seized with this matter. And the AU is a multilateral institution. And uh, that has brought home, not only to our continent, but to many other parts of the world, that we need to tighten the illicit flow of money and uh, we are involved in that process. And I think uh, the various agencies that we've got, SARS included, the Reserve Bank included, as well as uh, uh, Treasury. Uh, this is a matter that is top of the agenda for them. And looking more broadly, including a whole number of initiatives that continue to be made uh, as technology advances. So using technology and using really good laws which we, or processes which we learn from the multilateral uh, institutions and uh, various bodies, including uh, the BRICS, uh, including the G20, G7, and the UN, and all that. All of this brings about a combination that is going to help us a great deal, even as a nation. So... Mr. Minister, 
I said, Minister, Honorable Shibambu has raised quite an important point. Yeah. So, order. What a Freud and slip I have made. Freud and slip, yes. Yeah. So, in the end, uh, one welcomes. Well, one welcomes the thought he has put forward about having national legislation. But I would even say, Honorable Shibambo, it's tightening national legislation to make sure that precisely the issue that you have raised is properly addressed. Thank you very much, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable President. Question number 17 has been asked by the Honorable L.N. Manu, the Honorable the President. Honorable Speaker, the protection of our rail infrastructure is vital for the functioning of our economy and for the well-being and development of our people. We have therefore been working hard with several stakeholders to end the criminal destruction of this vital infrastructure. We are seeing improvements with respect to the security of our rail lines. An example of this is the cooperation between Transnet and the South African Police Service to secure the North Rail Corridor, which has led to a significant reduction in crime and uh, the various derailments that have been happening. The South African Police Service has established economic infrastructure task teams in 22 priority districts to tackle all crimes that damage the country's economic assets. As part of our concerted efforts to curb these crimes, last month, government published draft proposals to address widespread theft of copper cable and other forms of metal from public infrastructure. The draft measures propose a six-month export prohibition on scrap and waste metal, including copper cable, together with a permit system for export of specified semi-processed metal products. In terms of the National Key Points Act, the rail network does not qualify for declaration as a national key point. This is because it is not addressed, it is not addressed specific and would not be able to meet the minimum physical security standards that are required for implementation of a national key point facility. The Critical Infrastructure Protection Act, which is being uh, finalized will replace the National Key Point Acts and it will define infrastructure to include any transport network or network for the delivery of electricity or water. The Critical Infrastructure Protection Act still needs to be operationalized in conjunction with the promulgation of the regulations of the Act. The Criminal Matters Amendment Act of 2015 provides for several legal sanctions for acts of theft or destruction of economic infrastructure. 
according to the act, any person who unlawfully and intentionally tempers with damages or damages rather, or destroys essential infrastructure can be found guilty of an offense and liable to a conviction for a period of up to 30 years. Or in the case of a company, could be invoked with a fine exceeding 100 million rand. This essential infrastructure includes infrastructure required for the provision of energy, transport, water, sanitation, and communication. In the financial year to date, 43 people have been convicted in terms of this act for copper cable theft, theft of fuel from the Transnet pipeline, and destruction of railway infrastructure. Several of these people have received sentences of between 10 and 15 years, and one was sentenced to 26 years imprisonment. It is clear that government is serious about tackling economic sabotage, and while this remains a huge problem, our efforts in all this are beginning to show real results. This is a matter that we take seriously, as our country has been subjected to a lot of economic destruction, criminal activities, but we are addressing this. And I'm rather glad that they're working together and I've received the report between Transnet and the police in 22 areas of priority is beginning to show real benefits. And the reports have not been coming from Transnet directly, but they've been coming even from private sector actors who say that they are beginning to see real progress in this regard. So we want this to continue and spread throughout the country because we've had wanton destruction of economic infrastructure and we're now drawing the line and saying that those who are responsible will get imprisonment sentences such as the one that the law outlines. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank, thank you, Honorable President. The first supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable L.N. Manu. Thank you very much, Honorable Speaker. Thank you very much, uh, President. I think firstly, let's welcome the feedback you are giving to the nation regarding the convictions as it relates to the Critical Matters Amendment Act. I think this is what has been missing for people to know that something is happening, some people are going to jail. Hence, people are feeling that nothing is happening. So we welcome that progress, President, and we wish to see more in that uh, regard. President, my question therefore is, it's clear that the Critical Infrastructure Protection Act is what we need to turn around the tide uh, since we cannot declare this rail network as a key point or national key point. When can we expect this legislation, Mr. President, to come into place? I know there are regulations you spoke about, promulgation, but can you take the, con the nation into confidence and pin it to the ground? <laughs> Thank you, Mr. President. 
Thank you, Honorable Member. The Honorable the President. Uh, Honorable Speaker, Honorable Stian Hazen is uh, distracting me. Uh, as he sits very close to me, you might want to consider him to move away. <laughs> uh, Honorable Speaker, Honorable Mangu, yes. This is an important piece of legislation uh, that we will rely on to make progress in this regard. But what is pleasing is that we are already seeing progress. As one visits various countries on the continent, you hear a number of countries also experiencing exactly the same problem. Cable theft in various countries, in Kenya, in Malawi, and all that. And we all are being subjected to acts of criminality of uh, on, on economic uh, uh, infrastructure. And uh, a number of countries have uh, imposed really drastic measures. Uh, and in part, the ban that we have imposed for six months is something that, uh, in our view, should stop criminal activities in this regard, uh, and the regulations uh, that you would like me uh, to pin a date to should be finalized shortly. Uh, I, I have not been able to pin down those who are drafting those regulations so that they can give us a specific date. But because we are uh, experiencing these problems in a large manner, we, we have to speed the process up so that the regulations are in place and we can utilize the law. The good thing is that, yes, action is being taken proactively through the cooperation of the SUPS as well as Transnet and indeed as well as a number of actors in the private sector working together uh, with, with their own personnel. And uh, people are getting arrested and people are being prosecuted, and they are getting convicted, and they are getting long prison sentences. This is precisely what we want to see. Now, as you correctly say, this has not been so proactively communicated, even from the government point of view, and uh, this is a communication that should be spread around so that our people know that there are these initiatives that government is taking to protect our economic infrastructure. And I will be, I want to see this really steamrolling, proceeding in a way that even ordinary people will see that progress is being made. But more importantly, for those with criminal intent to know that this is not the way to go. And in the end, they must know that they will go to jail and not just go to jail for 18 months, but they will go to jail for more than 20 years and more. This is precisely what we want to see. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable President. The second supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable, the Leader of the Opposition. Mr. President, um, you and the Honourable Member will be delighted to know that there's some good news. 
You don't need a new act to deal with these issues. The Criminal Matters Amendment Act passed by this House in 2015 already allows for jail sentences for up to 30 years to anyone involved with damaging rail infrastructure. What you do need to do, Mr. President, is improve the capacity of enforcement to root out the syndicates. You also need to put in place anti-corruption measures within the state-owned entities, because for every syndicate on the outside, there's an official on the inside who is colluding with them. Now, DA governments are already fighting back. We're working with law enforcement and strengthening local law enforcement around rail, and we're working with the steel industry to find out where this stuff is going once it's stolen. Now, the best thing that you can do, Mr. President, is give these local governments greater control over the rail services and infrastructure. Mr. President, given governments struggle to deal with this matter and to deal with rail, would you support our call for the devolution of rail to competent local governments? Yeah. The Honorable, thank you. The Honorable, the President. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Somehow, even as uh, Honorable Stian Hazen was speaking in a very uh, supportive way, I knew there was a catch in what he was about to say. Uh, <laughs> um, Honorable Speaker, Honorable Stian Hazen is, 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 is right. We need to focus on enforcement and to deal with the syndicates. Because as he correctly says, there are syndicates that operate in this sector. It's not only the person who is carting, uh, cutting, cutting the, the cable and carting it away on a little trolley, uh, who is the main actor. The main actor sits elsewhere and there are, mom, uh, there are syndicates that operate and in a way, they are also global syndicates. They don't only operate in South Africa. They operate right across the globe. So that is what we need to focus on and make sure that there is enforcement. And I'd like to say that given the progress that is being made all around, and including what Honorable Stianazen says that uh, VA, uh, where it governs, is making progress, nationally progress is being made. The reason that these people are being sent to jail in terms of the act that you have referred to is precisely because we are making progress. We are focusing and having increased focus in this area. And uh, I, I'm seeing us even making greater breakthroughs as we move on. As to where the responsibility should reside, uh, that is a matter, obviously, that can be debated. Uh, it can be looked at, but right now, I'm more focusing on uh, the issue of enhancing the enforcement and going after the syndicates. And because the syndicates operate, as I said, globally as well as nationally, we do need national involvement. And the, the, the entire national system must be involved, obviously. And this should please you, Honorable Stian Hazen obviously working with provinces and working with our local government. So it must be seen as an all-inclusive type of process rather than an exclusive type of process. Now, I would like to see us working in an integrated manner, in a joined-up government type of manner, where we 
break down the silos of just local government, provincial and national, and it should cut right across. And in that way, I guess we will make even greater progress and will put more people behind bars who interfere with our economic infrastructure. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable President. The third supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable Mkhalipi. Can you call bouncers? Order, Honorable Members. Thank you very much, uh, Speaker. Mr. President, as part of your campaign for the last general elections, you took a train ride in Gauteng, and the train, and the train got stuck with you in it. As usually, you expressed shock and committed to fixing the problems facing Prasa, and you even promised to have a bullet train before the end of your first mm-hmm. term as president. The situation has gotten worse since then, and the train service are completely halted in many parts of the country. To whom do you attribute your failure to deliver on your promises of getting Prasa back on track? And why are there no consequences for those responsible for the gross incompetence and disservice to our people? Thank you very much, Honorable Member. The Honorable the President. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Prasa was one of those entities that was seriously captured. And the rate and the depth of corruption that prevailed in Prasa was quite extensive. And that is why Prasa was brought almost to its knees. And processes to rebuild Prasa are now underway. And they are moving ahead with great determination And the minister is focusing on making sure that Prasa returns to its glory days and that those who have been responsible for bringing Prasa to its knees are held responsible and accountable. And uh, as we speak now, they are involved in unraveling everything that was done wrong uh, during the past few years. And uh, we should see Prasa being uh, put on the right track again. As regards the train rides and all that, we that impacts negatively on our people. Uh, and uh, and that that is being addressed. A number of train lines are being brought back, and we want to see more and more of those train lines uh, being. Uh, put back to operate so that our people can have a more efficient and cheaper way of transport uh, to be able to to take them where they need to go. Yes, it was uh, a disappointment for me when I took that train ride and the train just stuck. Uh, Yes, expressing unhappiness, unhappiness with the state of Prasa particularly for our people, because when I was on that train, a lot of our people who showed that they rely on the rail to take them to work, and it it was distressing. But fortunately, uh, that is being addressed, and uh, Prasa should be able to get back on its feet. Thank you, Honorable Chairman. Thank you, President. The last, honorable speaker. the last supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable K. 
KP Sitole. <laughs> and thank you, Honorable Speaker, Honorable President. Given that the rain infrastructure is of, of common national interest, it is, it is fitting, Honorable President, that it is declared a national key point. Considering this, President, we need to understand the root cause of why this seems to be ongoing destruction of this rain network. I would like to know how we would have capacitated, capacitated the South African police services and under the relevant law enforcement stakeholders to identify the root cause of this destruction of this whole network, which may uncover link to a possible syndicate that will benefit from the destruction of the rain network. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. The Honorable the President. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. As we said, uh, closer examination uh, both economic, particularly legal, uh, revealed that we were not able to classify the rail network as a national key point because there's no specific address. Uh, but we are dealing with it through uh, other uh, legislation. Uh, the South African Police Service is already seized with very extensive investigations in the causes and not only the causes, but also those who may well be behind the destruction. And as I said earlier, uh, which was alluded to by Honorable Steenhazen, there are syndicates. There are big players who are involved in all this. So our SSA and our police uh, and our criminal intelligence are seized with this matter. And uh, progress is being made uh, in unraveling uh, those who are you know, involved in this. So uh, what one can say right now is that we're making progress. And as I said, people are getting arrested, but we also need to focus more on the, 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 the full casualty as well as the real big players who are behind uh, this whole process of economic infrastructure destruction. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable President. The next question is question number 18, raised by Honorable J.J. Marke. On should I go ahead? Yes, the Honorable okay. the President. I'm Thank sorry. you. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. When I received the final report of the uh, State Capture Commission in June 2022, I said that I would study the report and provide a comprehensive response as well as a plan for implementation within the court-stipulated time frame of four months. This requires consideration of up to 358 recommendations from the Commission. These range in nature from recommended actions against alleged perpetrators 
and an enablers of corruption to the recovery of funds to proposed reforms to prevent, detect, and prosecute corruption in future. The work that is currently underway to consider these recommendations does not mean that we have been waiting for tabling of this response plan to start the process of implementation of recommendations made by the Commission. You may well recall that I amended the regulations of the State Capture Commission in 2020 to permit sharing of information, records, of, or documents with any law enforcement agency. This was to enable law enforcement agencies to proceed with the investigations while the State Capture Commission was busy with its work. As a result, many of the recommendations for criminal investigation, prosecution, and asset recovery contained in the Commission's report were already receiving priority attention. Similarly, work is underway across government departments, agencies, state-owned enterprises, and Chapter 9 institutions on a range of interventions to respond to the Commission's findings and recommendations. This includes reform of the intelligence services, various legislative reforms, new financial and governance controls, capacity building and improved coordination and information sharing to prevent state capture and corruption. The implementation plan that I will submit to Parliament will outline this ongoing work and will indicate which recommendations have been prioritized for implementation. Our approach is guided by the need to ensure both that the perpetrators of state capture face the consequences of their actions and that we use this opportunity to design and implement far-reaching reforms to prevent a future occurrence. And it is important that we should collectively and nationally view the State Capture Commission report as a great opportunity to deal with what happened in the past, but more importantly, to also deal with what should happen in the future in the form of preventing state capture in any shape or form re-emerging in our country. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable President. The first supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable J.J. Marke. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Your Excellency, the Honorable President of the Republic of South Africa, I was nearly tempted to say the President of the last colony that was liberated south of Sahara because there are people who were never colonized in here. The recommendations by the Zondo Commission on State capture covers a whole range of issues and areas. For example, what should be implemented by state-owned enterprises, the intelligence services, parliament, the NPA, 
etc. In order to avoid these institutions simply saying that they don't have the resources to implement these recommendations, wouldn't it be ideal for each institution cited by the Commission to be compelled to budget fully for the implementation of these recommendations? or for the president to have a ring-fenced fund specifically for the implementation of the recommendations by all cited by the commission? How does the president intend to coordinate the whole process? Thank you. Thank you, honorable member. The honorable, the president. Thank you, uh, honorable uh, speaker. Given, as I said, that there are almost 385 recommendations, which Honorable Marke has uh, very ably identified the key actors who must implement being SOEs, and intelligence services, parliament, and various departments, I could not agree more uh, as he suggests that shouldn't they all budget for the implementation of uh, these recommendations? I, I think, in my view, that is a brilliant thought. Uh, clearly, the coordination thereof uh, is something that we need to look at, because what we will do from the presidency is to present the implementation plan which we'll present to Parliament. And indeed, Parliament will have to address or, yes, address this issue, debate and discuss it. And as Parliament in the end passes the budget, it will need to see uh, what the, the budgetary uh, requirements will be. I guess from the various institutions, we will need to take it a little further than just coming up with an implementation plan and say what it is likely to cost. Uh, because I do think that Honorable Marke has uh, raised a very cogent point, which we need to give attention to. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the work that we've been doing, of course, we've been looking at what needs to be implemented. And now we need to take it a little forward and say, as it should be, what is it going to, to cost? Uh, I take it there will be cost uh, requirements uh, in a number of ins instances. There may well be not much that will require uh, expenditure on others, but... Uh, looking at it more broadly in terms of the various entities that will be involved in all this, uh, I think the proposal from Honorable Marke falls in the category of really good proposals, which I thank him for. Thank you, Honorable Thank Marke. you. Thank you, Honorable President. The second su supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable, the leader of the opposition. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. President. Mr. President, when pressed in your testimony at the Zondo Commission on Parliament's failure to investigate in Kandla, under the pretext that this was the job of law enforcement, you said, and I quote, when you look at it with hindsight, I would say the two would not be mutually exclusive. And if anything, 
both checks could easily have been followed, unquote. Now, despite this admission, your party that you lead yesterday is repeating the exact same problem we had with Nkandla, by refusing to have an ad hoc committee, and the guy said it's a Section 89 committee that's not going to investigate the generals that you referred to, not going to investigate the SSA, not going to investigate Turco, not going to investigate any of the other protagonists. So, Mr. President, when you said this to Judge Zondo, were you telling the truth that Parliament should indeed investigate when serious allegations arise? Or did you simply change your mind now that the matter and the shoe is on your foot and not Mr. Zuma's? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Honourable Member. The Honourable the President. Uh, Honourable Speaker, um, I take it that the matter that had to be dealt with uh, yesterday is a matter that uh, is now under uh, consideration by a committee of, by a panel rather, set up uh, by this very body. And I take it that these processes uh, will in the end be able to uh, demonstrate precisely what has happened. So it's not a question of saying that Parliament should not play a role uh, because Parliament is correctly playing a role and uh, my own accountability uh, to this body uh, is a given uh, within the various parameters of all these various institutions that are looking at this matter. So it's not really a change of mind. Uh, I'm all up for good governance and accountability and I believe that this process uh, that is now underway uh, is one process that that should be followed. It does not make me uncomfortable because uh, because it affects me or the shoes in my my foot now. Uh, it just recommits me to the process of governance, uh, process of accountability. And I believe that is a process that is currently ongoing. And we should uh, have the ability and I think the confidence that uh, the processes that uh, we've embarked on uh, will be able to lead us somewhere. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank, thank you, Honorable President. The third supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable M. Shengwa. Shengwa. Honorable Shengwa, are you in the house or are you in the, on the virtual platform? On the virtual platform, will you please open for Honorable Shengwa, please? Honorable Shengwa, you have the floor. Okay, maybe Honorable Shengwa is not, uh, maybe there's a network problem. No, no Speaker, thank you very much. There okay, was, you may proceed. Thank you. Laying them unmuting me. Thank you very much, uh, Madam Speaker. Uh, Mr. President, given the fact that your implementation plan is actually due to Parliament by the 15th of October, as per Parliament's own statement in June, one would have hoped that you spoke in greater confidence because then it means you must be at the tail end of finalizing it. So the critical question then becomes, 
is there political will on the part of government to actually see through the implementation of the Zondo Commission um, recommendations? And Mr. President, on the issue of budget that you're speaking to, I don't think it can be left to this house. You should be at the very least giving a ballpark figure to say in terms of the implementation plan you have or referring us to the MTF that will be coming up soon. So it has to be a plan that is costed. And so as things stand now, what are the estimated costs that you have projected in so far as the implementation plan that is due on the 15th of October and whether you will meet that deadline of bringing that plan to Parliament? Thank you, Madam Speaker. Thank you, Honourable Member, the Honourable the President. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Is there a political will to implement the, 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 the Zondo Commission uh, recommendations? Yes, there is political will. Uh, when we bring the implementation plan to Parliament, that's when the will of the government will become clear that indeed we are serious and we have the will to do so. You're absolutely right. The financial aspect of implementing the plan cannot be left to Parliament. We, as the executive, have to craft that, and that is why I applauded what Honorable Marke has put forward, which I dubbed to be a very good suggestion because inherent in putting forward an implementation plan and repeat inherent in doing so, uh, consequentially uh, will result in expenditure, an expenditure which should be crafted and uh, then obviously presented to Parliament because in the end, correctly so, Parliament is the one that uh, approves expenditure. The extent to which you you say is the MTEF, it is the medium-term policy budget statement that will be presented shortly. Uh, the extent to which it will form a part of that uh, is something that the Minister of Finance and I are going to be meeting and discussing uh, because that has to be presented to Cabinet first and thereafter to Parliament. But as regards the implementation plan itself, uh, it is being finalized. Uh, you ask a direct question, will we be able to meet the deadline of the 15th uh, the desire is that we should. Now, I should say that uh, if we've been watching court processes, the commission approached the court in relation to dealing with the question of condonation, because you might recall that there were delays in giving the final report to myself and having delayed, and it was not a lengthy delay, they needed to get condonation from court for that delay. 
but it was a delay nonetheless. But they also... Honorable Tezri, please mute. Proceed. In relation, in relation to that approach to court, they also needed to do uh, an errata to correct a few uh, errors of either typography, this and that. And we're looking at all that. We're looking at the report to see the extent to which it touches on our own implementation deadlines. The desire is that, yes, we should meet that deadline. If there is a change, Honorable Speaker, we will be able to advise Parliament and give the reasons and say these are the reasons, but I was just giving a mere background because uh, the Commission had to approach the courts to get firstly condonation and also to deal with some of those typographical uh, issues. So the political will is there. It is absolutely clear. And uh, the, the costing thereof is a matter that will be discussed with the Minister of Finance to see whether uh, it can be inserted now uh, and at the same time uh, to see exactly what the time frame is going to be. So that's as far as one can say, but to underline Honorable Tengwa's question, the political will is there, and that will become very clear when we present it here to Parliament. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable President. The last supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable P.J. Hrunewald. Dr. Speaker, dear E, Honorable President, in January this year, I think you received the first report on the Commission. You sat on television and in the media, and you said to the judge that you will implement all the recommendations of the report. So you are on record. But in August the same year, in a court case, in terms of cadre deployment, you gave a sworn affidavit to the court where you said that you are not obliged to implement all the recommendations. Now, I think it's just fair that the public and the taxpayers who forked out almost one billion rand for the commission must have certainty that you will ensure that all the recommendations be implemented. So my follow-up is, will you implement all the recommendations? If not, why not? And what criteria will you follow to decide which ones you will implement and which ones not? I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. The Honorable the President. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. I'm glad to see that you read my affidavits. Uh, <laughs> yes, what was set out in the affidavit is the law. The law of commissions is that once a report is presented to the president, he may or may not, she or he may not, may or may not implement. So that is a given in terms of the law. But we have, because the state capture commission process has been a defining moment for our country in dealing with acts of corruption and state capture. 
And because it has been a defining moment in which we've had to take a different path, because the other path led to the disasters that we are living through as we weighed our way from what was done wrongly in the past, is a path not to take, and we must depart from that. So the political will and the determination is that we must set ourselves on this path of moving away from state capture, dealing with state capture, and that is what has underpinned our will to say we will implement the recommendations of the Zondo Commission. And let me say, that is our commitment. We, we, we will implement. There may well be some, as you correctly say uh, in the last part of your question, there may well be some that we will not be able to implement within a particular time frame. And we will need to look at phases of when some get implemented and so forth. And if there are challenges in as far as implementing, having stated our clear and uh, definite desire and wish and will, we will be able to say so. We will be able to give reasons why we, we are not able to do so. So that is then going to be put before Parliament and Honorable Grunewald, that is when you will also get an opportunity to debate the matter and see whether what we are seeking to implement within various time frames or in a particular time frame is, is doable or not doable. So the, 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 the good thing about the, the commission is that it was all public, very transparent, Everybody knows, and the implementation plan is also going to be put forward. I've just been advised that the deadline for implementation plan to Parliament is currently the 22nd of August, of October, of October. My, my, my slip, my bad slip of the mouth, of the lip, uh, and not the 15th of October. So it's the 22nd of October. I just, uh, wanted to make that clear that that's what we are now looking at, which is not far from the 15th of October as Honorable Shangwa was insisting on. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable President. Honorable Members, that brings us to the end of the questions which were scheduled for the 29th of September. Now, honorable members, we now proceed to question number 11. And I would like to make the following statement. Honorable members, while it is the responsibility of the speaker or any presiding officer to regulate proceedings in the house, it is not for the speaker to prescribe how the president should respond to a question or make a political judgment on how a question has been responded to in the House. The issue of responses to outstanding supplementary questions has been widely canvassed in both the Chief Whips Forum and the National Assembly Program Committee. Earlier this week, 
this house agreed to a motion to schedule supplementary questions in respect of question 11 of the 30th of August. The president responded to the initial question posed by Honorable Zungula. Yeah, on the 30th. Should a member not be satisfied with that response, there is now an opportunity to pose supplementary questions in the agreed order. And notwithstanding this, there are also further opportunities provided by the process of posing written questions. Honorable members, having clarified the matter, I will proceed to recognize members to ask supplementary questions as agreed by the programming structures and the House. Now, honorable members, I have the following members. I will first start with uh, honorable Zungula, who will raise the first supplementary question. Speaker, firstly, I need to correct you. In you attempting to provide some clarity, which is misguided. In the meeting, in the last session on the 30th of August, when the president was asked this question, he responded and stated he has been advised not to answer. Now, you can't come here, speaker, and make it as if we were prescribing or we wanted you to to prescribe how the president answers. Whereas in his own words, he stated he's been advised not to answer. So that is one thing I wanted to clarify. But let me proceed with the supplementary question. Mr. President, when you joined government in 2014, you stated you'll hand over your business interest to a blind trust where you will not have any sight of your investments and operation and the operations of the business interest. If this is the case, why were you the go-to person to take action in the Palapala case? Hence, you assigned the head of your protection unit to deal with the matter. Because when the crime was committed, the manager, whoever that the manager was in Palapala would have been the relevant person to take action. However, in this case, it was yourself. It is you who confirmed to the House that you instru- you reported the case to the head of your, of your protection unit. The second question, why does it seem, in fact, why do you have such intricate details? No, Honorable Member. Honorable Member. Order! 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 You may not ask to your supplementary question more than one question. Speaker, it is one question. It is one question, Speaker. Honorable members. Honorable members. Speaker, it is one question. Okay, continue. Thank you. Mr. President, why do you have such... Why do you have such intricate details, such as money lost, the clients, yet your business interests are supposedly held in a blind trust where you've got no sight? Are you currently involved in any businesses wherein you buy and sell merchandise 
while at the same time you are the president of the country. Thank you. Thank you, honorable members. Honorable Khatem, yes, Lakute. Honorable Lakute. Thank you very much, honorable speaker. I think we shouldn't move away from our rules. Our rules are clear, honorable speaker, that a person is allowed to ask a follow-up question, only one, not two. So we should, we must not set a precedence that we, we allow people to ask three questions. That is against the rules. Thanks. Thank you, Honorable Zagude and Honorable Zungula. I'm sure you are aware of this in terms of rules 142. Okay. Honorable, yes, Honorable Mkagipi. Mm-hmm. Speaker, it will be fair for you to leave Honorable no, Zungula because it's his question. So just leave him. No, man. Honorable Mkalipi, is it a point of order? Yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah, speaker, it's a point of order. So I'm saying to you, leave him to ask the question the way he is satisfied to him. Because this is his original question that was postponed because of your intervention. Secondly, speaker, the president, the incoming president of South Africa, Julius Malema, is muted. So can you unmute him, speaker? So... He can do his follow-up question. Thank you, Speaker. Thank you. You may be seated. The Honorable, the President. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. The question was, why uh, was the report done by myself? I re- Soon after it, it, it happened, I was uh, informed that uh, uh, theft had been committed and uh, my manager informed me and I immediately, whilst we were traveling in Addis Ababa, informed uh, General Ruode. Now, when things such as these happen, uh, yes, I am informed when a car overturns and there's an accident, I'm informed, uh, not that I will immediately be able to take somebody to hospital or whatever, but I am informed because I'm an interested party about uh, what, what happens. Uh, so that is why I was informed. And uh, I was then able to inform a general of the police service uh, who at the time was traveling with me in Addis Ababa. Uh, with regards to all these interests, uh, I have declared, as I said, my, my farming uh, activities, um, great passion for cattle farming and so on, uh, that I have declared the agricultural uh, aspects or activities that I'm involved in. So that has been declared firstly here in Parliament and thereafter when I became President, also to the Secretary of the the Cabinet. Um, And as part of that, also uh, some properties that I own personally have also been disclosed 
Now, I must say that initially the intention was to set up a blind trust, but I did then say, I do not intend to be uh, in any other form of business other than the agricultural sector, uh, which I have declared. Uh, so that is why in the end, uh, no such trust was, was, uh, was formed because this is uh, the sum total of what I get involved in. Do I sell and buy merchandise? No, but uh, does uh, the entity buy and sell cattle and animals? Yes, uh, that is what uh, it does. Uh, and why does it do so? Because they multiply and you either have to cull them or whatever. And that is the situation that we are in. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable President. The second supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable T.M. Jumat Peterson. Thank you very much, Honorable President. Honorable President, the questions that you are being asked right now are actually a little bit outdated. They're not that important because, respectfully, Honorable President, we welcome your commitment to cooperate with any and all investigations. And this is what you are doing. So why we are nitpicking on something which you have already agreed to do is actually just repeating and repeating the very same thing over and over again. So it is important to assert the rule of law, which is what you've done. You have accepted due processes and accountability. This is what a good and truly... Order! Honorable members. Yes, honorable member, I'm sorry. Chairperson, honorable speaker, we are allowed to heckle in the house, but we cannot drown a speaker on the platform. Thank you. Thank you, honorable... You may proceed, Honorable uh... Speaker. Can you protect us from German cards? Aye, man. Aye. Honorable, uh-uh. Honorable Mkalip. Honorable. Honorable Mkalip, don't do that, please. Please don't do that. Please, man. Honorable Order. Mr. President, Order. Honorable President, please take your seat. Honorable Chumat Honorable. is still on the floor. Honorable President, you... Would you no honorable sorry honorable Mkalipi? You are the most senior leader of your party who is here today. You are the deputy chief whip. You said a few minutes ago, and I'm not going to allow you to conduct yourself in that way. I expect no, you can't be heckling. Yes, you are. You are drowning the speakers, at least if you are not drowning the speaker. Jesus. Honorable, now please, honorable, please, please, point of order. Yes, yes, what is the point of order? Thank you, thank you, Speaker. I'm raising a point of order on you, Speaker. Can you please be fair and consistent in, with all members of this House? You cannot treat members of the EFF as if they are, they are 
stepchildren in this house. Whenever they raise their hands, whenever they raise their issues, you you suppress them. But whenever mm. members of the ANC are heckling, you are you very much. So I'm calling an order member. on you, Speaker. Please take a seat. Point of order, please. I've been honorable there. members. You know, all of all of you. Please just lower your hands. Lower your hands, Judith. Lower your hands. Honorable members. Honorable Kalipi, please lower your hand. Will you please lower your hand? Lower your hands. Honorable members. This, this supplement. Honorable Tina. Honorable. No man. How may I'm addressing you, all of you. I am saying lower your hand. You have 45 minutes and you've already taken 15, 10 minutes, 15 minutes on this question. You have exactly 45 minutes on this. Stop wasting time, Honorable Members. Please. Thank you. I now continue, Honorable Tina. Honorable President, would you update the House with your interactions with the various state institutions, such as the Public Protector, the South African Reserve Bank, and the Directorate of Priority Crimes Investigations without compromising any confidences. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. The Honorable, the President. Thank you, uh, Honorable uh, Speaker. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, oh dear, Zao <laughs> Magal. Uh, there, there, there are up to, I would say, eight, nine institutions, no, eight institutions that have been uh, processing this matter and conducting uh, thoroughgoing investigations. And I have been cooperating. And in some instances, they have asked questions of clarification, which I have provided. And I've been saying uh, to myself that the process has been very thorough and uh, been actually impressed with the manner in which the questions have been raised and uh, uh, also the supplementary questions. And uh, to a point where I cannot fault uh, the manner in which uh, they have been raising questions, and I would not even say there's been any uh, form of bias against me uh, because they have been very, very tough and thorough. So my cooperation, which I articulated right at the beginning, has been uh, solid and it continues. And they have been interviewing, I think, many, many people around all this. And uh, I have continued to say that I will cooperate in whatever manner that they deem necessary. So I have not held back on this. And um, uh, that's what I believe is good for governance, is good for accountability as well. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. Thank you, Honorable Member, uh, President. Honorable members, before I proceed to invite the next um, the next uh, spe speaker on the supplementary question, 
Honorable members, I think this is the third time you've referred to Honorable Khadebe as haircut. German cut. Yes, honorable members, yes, he has done a German cut, but his name is not German cut. He is honorable Khadebe. Please, honorable member. Please, please. I honestly, I'm making a plea, you know, you, you honorable members have a way of just distracting us from what we are doing. Whether it's German or boycott, whatever, but there's a cut done. But that's not the name of the honorable member. Order, speaker. Speaker is out of order. Honorable member, please, man. Please, let's not keep on referring to things which are not assisting us to move forward. Thank you. Honorable, the third supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable, the Leader of the Opposition. Thanks very much. Uh, Mr. President, you're absolutely right that you're entitled to private interest, and I've seen your register, and they have been declared, um, and I think that goes uh, beyond uh, the question. The real question, however, is that in terms of Section 96 of the Constitution, it says that you must act in a way and to avoid or expose yourself to any situation involving a risk of a conflict between your official responsibilities and your private interests. Very clear about that. You can have the private interest, but there mustn't be a conflict. And Mr. President, you've said you reported the crime to a general. The Presidential Protection Unit is provided to you because you are the head of state and the president. It is a privilege you gain through your official, um, uh, your, your official title, not your private business interest. I would advance to you, Mr. President, there was a conflict of interest for you to use General Wally Ruder to go and recover debts that are accruing to your private business interest using state resources. It should have been done through a police station with a case being opened. I advance, Mr. President, I ask you, do you believe there's a conflict of interest? Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. The Honorable the President. Uh, thank you, Honorable Speaker. On this matter, um, I, I, I honestly do not believe that I have exposed myself to a situation where there's a conflict of interest. And to the extent that there could be that type of uh, assertion. So, I think, Mr. President, I'm really sorry. Will you please raise your voice? Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, I'm you. saying to the extent that there could be that assertion, I know that the, the matter that you're referring to uh, is being processed within the internal confines of the South African Police Service as to what General Ruode did and what he did not do. And in my own conclusion, uh, there hasn't been a conflict of interest of the nature that you are talking about. But uh, that is why I've been saying this matter does need, obviously, to be uh, fully uh, ventilated through the various uh, institutions. And uh, once the various institutions have ventilated this matter, this is precisely uh, the issue that uh, would then arise. But as far as I'm concerned, no, there has not been a conflict of interest. But uh, the matter is, is currently being looked into uh, in that context by the South African Police Service. Thank you, Honorable Speaker.
Thank you, Honorable President. The last supplementary question will be asked by the Honorable J.S. Malema. Will you please open? Uh, for Mr. Thank Honorable you very much, Malema. Speaker. Uh, Mr. President, I just want to ask which procedure were you following by reporting to uh, the general who's your main uh, protector? Because we're all equal before the law. And what makes you think that somehow you are so special that you can report crime to some general? Because crime gets reported at the church office. And the example you gave of a car that overturns, the car that overturns, they don't call you to call an ambulance. The people who are in that car that has overturned are the ones who call an ambulance. The person who called you to inform you about the crime that took place at Palapala is the one that should have called the police or go to the police station to report the matter. Please accept you abused your power and you thought there was something special about you. That's why you didn't do the Mamalima approach when her chickens are stolen to go to Seoul police station and report the case. Because she's an ordinary person. You see yourself above. And that's why you report crimes to generals and not to church office. You abused your power as a president of the republic and you ought to accept because there is no such a procedure. The person who called you, you are a law student. People like calling you a, a, a lawyer. You are not a lawyer. You are a graduate of law. You know how, <laughs> how crime gets reported. They taught you that at school, law 101 how crime gets reported. <laughs> you did not follow any of the things they taught you at school in dealing with this matter because... Order, you... on the this... members. So, please, Thank don't... You. Thank you. you have abused your office by reporting the matter to a general without following any of the precepts. Thank you, honorable member. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, honorable member. The honorable... The President. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Speaker. I'm glad that Honorable Malema corrected himself. Initially said I'm a law student. I went, no, 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 I'll correct you as well. Uh, Honorable Malema, I went beyond being a student. I'm a law graduate. I did graduate with a law degree. You are right, yes. And I did my articles. I did my articles. <laughs> Order, honorable members. Please, we are at the tail end of everything. You'll soon be no, no, out. No. Yeah. No, if you want me to explain, I did my articles. I started off with a small firm and I ended up with a big firm. And uh, when... <clears throat> I was supposed, oh, I, and then I wrote my board exam. I wrote my board exam, and you can mark uh, something uh, negative about me. I passed the, the written part. I failed the oral. Now, when I failed the oral, uh, soon thereafter, I got approached by the Council of Unions of South Africa, who said to me, we want you to come and work for us. That was not the question God was asking. No, 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 I'm coming. <laughs> Honorable, Honorable Sumbula. This is the question. <laughs> Honorable members, 
Order. Order. Honorable Kekan. <laughs> I'm giving you the context. No, because... Honorable, Honorable uh, President, please, uh, I think people are tired now. Ah. Will you just respond to this question and we close the no, no, session? No. Yeah, I like the minister. Thank but you. Yes. Honorable President, you may continue. There are some members who would like to hear the story. Okay. So, let me regale them with the story. <laughs> Honorable members. So, <laughs> no. Honorable President, you may continue. I then got approached by the Council of Unions of South Africa, and then I made the choice to pursue the union route and rather than to pursue the other one. So, in the end, in the end, Honorable, I I never qualified as an attorney. So I want to make that clear. I didn't qualify as an attorney. I am, however, a law graduate. Now, once, once the theft had occurred, I was informed, as I said, and I guess I may be repeating myself. Uh, and also I need to answer that I don't believe I abused my power because, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded by police officials, police officials. And when I informed the general, I was informing a police official. And even at the time uh, on the farm, uh, my manager interacted with police officials who uh, were involved with the whole process. So I want to dispute the argument that I abused my power. I'm not uh, uh, the type of person who will abuse my position or my power. Uh, so I, I, I did not. And uh, uh, having reported it to the police official, um, I, I did believe that they will do what they need to do to ensure that this matter is properly handled. And that is the extent to which uh, I was able to handle this matter. Uh, so uh, in my book, Honorable Speaker, it was reporting a crime to the police when I did inform a police general. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable President. That concludes questions to the President. I thank the Honorable, the President, uh? and that concludes the business of the day. The House is adjourned.